Welcome to the Switch RPG Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gio, and I'm joined, as always, by Johnny. Johnny, what's going on? Everything's good. My hair is getting so long. Oh, my. I'm so kind of jealous. I have, like, none of that. That's terrible. (laughs) terrible. I also haven't, like, washed my hair in a week. Oh, man. You may want to, like, look look into that. I'm glad I can't smell you from here. If this is your first time... I'm, I'm sure, sure you do. If this is your first time listening, this is the show from SwitchRPG.com, where we bring you the latest in the world of RPGs on the Nintendo Switch. This week, we are discussing the Switch RPG Award nominees. If you haven't heard, please go to SwitchRPG.com, take a look at those nominees, and um, let us know what you think. Did we leave anything out? What would you have done differently? I'm sure there's something or someone out there that has a difference of opinion um and much much more but first what have you been playing johnny uh so where i last left off i think uh i was playing a couple of different things but now it's pretty much been two games mostly just one game which is ogre battle 64 person of lordly caliber and i am getting into the groove of that game it is so good the story is a whole lot better than what i remember and I barely remember anything from from my first <laughs> play session with that, like 19, 18 years ago or whatever. A long uh, time beating, ago. Yeah, beating that game a long time ago. And now I'm just going through again. I am, if I had to guess, like two-thirds through the game. Okay. So uh, putting in quite a bit of time. The The game clock, the in-game clock is, is bugged. <laughs> so when you... Um, when you uh, you can change the game speed, and I think when you do that, the clock ends up counting d- at double the speed. <laughs> so the clock maxed out at uh, fifty nine or no ninety nine hours fifty nine minutes and ni- uh, fifty nine seconds. So it's a hundred hours, right? Yeah, yeah. And it maxed out, but it also got to that point at twice the speed. So I've probably put in about 50 hours. I'm I'm probably a little bit over 50 hours now. I'm somewhere in between 50 and 55 hours into the game. Uh, But that clock is now forever stuck. Because it doesn't go into the hundreds of hours, which is weird. So not only is it like buggy on on the speed of the clock, but it's also buggy on on the fact that it has an upper limit. So but the game, the game is uh, just great. I'm really digging the story. It's hitting a lot of good good places. It's uh, it's it is the the de facto game. I can't even think of another game out there, or or RPG, or just any game for that matter, that tackles a revolution. Because that's what the game is about. The game is about uh, a revolution from start to finish, sort of with fantasy elements, uh, and and also tackling it from from multiple angles, you get to see it from from uh, a revolution within a nation, a nation that was pieced together kind of uh, from a bunch of different uh, uh, people of, of geological ethnicities uh, by this bigger empire 
called uh, Lotus, and they have they're sort of uh, the the nation that you're in called Palatinus is basically uh, they they are the puppets uh, of of Lotus, the Holy Lotus Empire. Uh, the Holy Lotus Empire. I've had to like compare them. They're kind of like like Nazi Germany and okay. uh, the Holy Roman Empire put together. If you have to like combine the two, that's kind of what they are. They're like religious nuts. Uh, also, like uh, the Knights Templar from like a thousand plus years ago, right? From like, uh, Crusade times. They're kind of like that. They're like they're like very even, uh, uh, very um, zealots. They're like religious zealots. Zealot. Yes, yeah. they're they're very religious zealot type things, but they're also like run by uh, a pope. Uh, that sort of makes all the major decision making, and then they also do like kingmaker type stuff where where they have uh, they don't take over. They do take over some nations, but they'll also uh, prop up their own uh, their own like kings, appoint their own kings or whatever. It's almost kind of like what the, the United States has been doing for for decades uh, or probably the past hundred years now. Is sort of like like causing other smaller nations to sort of rise and fall. Lots of imperialism. Lots yeah, of imperialism. Right. So really good stuff. And then there's a revolution that, that happens. And because it, it's getting so big, the the Holy Lotus Empire has to get involved uh, because they're not satisfied with, with how much it's spreading. And lots of stuff. There's slavery in there. It, it, it tackles like wow. some really serious stuff. The only thing that's... That that is unfortunate is the the translation isn't super. It's not bad. It's just not as good as it could be. And also, uh, it still has like a little bit of the '90s sort of uh, wordage in there and and attitude of some of the characters. Where it could be, if if it was handled better, it would be more accurate to the time or or the world that it would be in. But uh, definitely enjoying it. Really enjoying it. The story, okay. story is definitely better than what I thought it'd be, and then, um, uh, so I'll I'll have more to say when I when I beat that again for the second time. And what, I, one thing I can't like yeah. get over with um, are the names of these ogre battle games, like like Person of Lordly Caliber. Let us cling together. <laughs> what else? Do Arch we have? of the Black Queen. Like I I don't know. They're just so <laughs> something's with them. Um, so. They're based on uh, Ogre Battle is based on a song from Queen called Ogre Battle. From Queen? Queen. Okay. Queen has a song called Ogre Battle. And also, Queen has a song or an album. I think it's a song called March of the Black Queen. Also, Queen has a song called Let Us Cling Together. <laughs> so so all these are based off Queen, Queen songs or Queen well, the it, band? Uh, a lot of Queen influenced stuff, and also a lot of just '80s metal and '70s and '80s metal uh, okay. influences. Uh, for example, one of the characters um, in Ogre Battle '64 is called Dio. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's a lot of influence there, and he kind of looks like Dio too. Really? Yeah, oh. he's got he's got like the the black kind of curly hair, and yeah. That is. Uh... That's a little known fact. I, n- I never, <laughs> never knew that. That's yep. funny. 
Yep. Um, also, Banner of the Maid, just just my a recent example I could think of of uh, Revolution. Like this, it's based off. It's an alternative uh, French Revolution. French Revolution. Yeah. 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 So yeah, but this one, this one's. Um... I'm sure Ogre Battle takes it to a whole other level, but. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 not a, a historical revolution. It's a game that's written from the ground up without yeah. any kind of uh, external influence. I mean, all of the Ogre Battle games have tackled like some sort of key points of of influential time periods in in war, especially more modern war. Everything from like I would say like World War One and newer. They've sort of uh, what was it? I think it was the the Serbian war or or the 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 bos bosno bos bosnian 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 civil war bosnian war yeah bosnia it was in civil war a while ago yeah in the 90s i think it happened yep yeah so um that influenced one of the ogre battle games um or or in the 80s i think it might have happened in the 80s I think that one influenced the story. What happened there influenced what happened in "Let Us Cling Together." I think, uh, to a certain to a certain degree, it's yeah. they're all standalone stuff, but there's there's influences in there. It's it does tie a lot into like racial stuff. Well, "Let Us Cling Together" is very uh, it's it's all about racial tension. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, person of lordly caliber, as I said, slavery is a big part. Uh, it's all about, it's all about classism. Actually, all, almost all the Ogre Battle games are about, uh, and Tactics Ogre games are about classism and, uh, the haves versus the have-nots, the, the people who control versus the people who are controlled. And that's, that's what it's all about. And it's all, it's about rising to power. And then what you do when you, when you subvert those in power what is the new system that you put in place? Right. Are you now just going to be one of them? And and they even question you on that. They questioned. Uh, they questioned you that on that on let us come together. They did it again on uh, on uh, person of lordly caliber, where they they bring it up as like a as like a thinking point. It wasn't a, necessarily a decision point, but it was more like a thinking point. Like you got you got to by the way because they bring it up like I would say about like halfway or less than halfway into the game, by the way, you should start thinking about how you're going to, how you're, once the revolution succeeds, you got to think about what's going to happen afterwards and how you're going to rule the people or how the people should be ruled. Yeah, I remember that being an issue, especially in the Bosnian, because I remember the Bosnian civil, uh, civil wars. I want to say it was like, early to mid nineties um, where there was genocide happening in there. Yeah. So the U S stepped in and then we're a lot of people are like, okay, you've stepped in, you've whatever you, you did, whatever you did now, now what now you need to help us and reform us, not reform us, but basically help us get back on our feet. And, and yeah, it brings that, it brings that question like, all right, now, now what? Yep. And, and that, that is kind of that, that, theme that that sort of subject matter is in the ogre battle game and it's part and it's in kind of an integral part of the story uh sometimes a little bit looser some some way way tighter than that like uh tactics ogre let us cling together that's a very tight part as well as other things like just awesome awesome stuff right there 
And uh, they do it in Personal Lord and Caliber. It's not executed as well. Um, so, but it's it's real good. I wonder really why game. I wonder why games don't really tackle stuff like that anymore. I, I mean, I know it's really a touchy subject, but the way that Ogre Battle does it is they'll they'll take the the, the points of say again. Well, well, I'll bring it up the Bosnian conflict. They'll bring up those points and essentially make you know put a facade on it, right? And yeah. and basically make it a game. Now you you really you don't see a lot of that. I don't think anyway. Yeah, it's uh metaphorical, right? Right, 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 right. right. It's, it's uh, using that as its theme and that as a metaphor for for things that happen in real life. It, yeah, uh, it's a shame that other games don't do it. Uh, a lot of games they just um, they just get a little bit too into their own fantasy. Mm-hmm. And They're trying to build their own world and they build whatever. their own world and they go too much into the fantasy part. Whereas the ogre battle games stay at least the fundamental story stays grounded in in real uh uh machinations right uh i gotta uh, google that one <laughs> uh, basically uh just just kingmaker type stuff game of thrones type stuff right okay uh political politics right uh things that only happen with humans right uh, a lot of other games will have like this evil you know alien thing that or, or this evil thing from a comet, or, or this big dragon that's going to destroy everything. But in yogurt battle games, the big bad is nations. It's, it's the people that run these nations and these mm. countries and these, these peoples. And the feuds, the, the, the feuding that happens between them for seemingly trivial reasons in Tactics Ogre, it's the racial stuff in uh, Ogre Battle 64, Religion is a big part of it. There's uh, the Lotus, uh, the Holy Lotus Empire are like religious zealots, uh, and they there's a faction within the Platinus uh, region that uh, celebrates a very different religion. And Lotus was kind of like, we're not going to mess with you just yet, but we don't like that. They allowed it to happen, and I don't want to say anymore, but uh, that becomes. But you're issue. right. It, it is like the Game of Thrones, where you know there's plots and schemes and and yeah, you know yeah, doing yeah. all this stuff. Yeah, and it, this also happens in a uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. It was more about the politics, although uh, Final Fantasy Tactics does the the fantasy parts do mm-hmm. become more part of the story, the 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 fantastical fantasy elements. Whereas in the Ogre Battle series, yes, there is some degree of fantasy that gets in the way of the politics but it, it's not it's not the main point of the storyline the main point of the storyline is the politics that's involved and the fantasy stuff is more so just power right okay. the acquisition yeah. of power that's the fantasy element where where uh in in ogre battle happens pretty early on there's this uh fruit uh thing eat the uh, eat this fruit and uh, from a certain, a very certain tree, and it gives you this this uh, evil. Um, what was it called? Like dark aura, I think it was called, or something like that. This, this evil power. You become powerful, but you're also corrupted. Uh, so, so people who are seeking power, it's people who are, they are losing their political footing, and they, through the frustration of not being capable of making change. They become desperate, 
and in their in their time of desperation, they seek out this power. They can succumb to to the influence that that this time this power has to, the the appeal of mm-hmm. the power, and that's what ends up happening uh, with some characters here and there throughout the plot and the various plots in the Ogre Battle series. So. Mm. That's that's about as as heavy or involved as the fantasy stuff kind of gets with the Ogre Battle stuff. It's really it's it's all the games so far have been like really good storyline stuff, if not the best. So, so they really need to put something new out there. Yeah, well, that's not going to happen because Square Square is just sitting sitting on one of the best franchises of all time. Yeah, they, they tell they tell pretty good stories. The best, the best story. All right, cool. I'm, I'm sticking with it. Let us cling together is still the best. I, my mind is probably never going to change on that one. That storyline is so amazing. Uh, all right, so the other game I've been playing is Jet Lancer. Very different game. It's like an arcadey uh, jet twin stick shooter. It's not twin stick, but uh, you're it's. I don't know. You're 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 on a like a F-16 type of jet fighter, but it's not an F-16. It's like some special one that can like turn on and off its <laughs> engines, so you can kind of switch your momentum as you're flying through and you're doing dogfights. And it's a 2D game, so you're doing uh, 2D dogfights uh, with like this very maneuverable uh, type of ship where you can turn off your engines. You'll continue to your trajectory and then turn yourself mid flow so that you can shoot behind you and, and stuff like that. It's, it's really cool stuff. It's uh it's a, it's a kind of a fun game to, to watch. I'm fumbling a little bit with the controls, but it is, uh, it plays really good. I just got to get used to the controls. Also, uh, the times I've been playing it was with uh, a, dr- a joy con drift type mm. of uh, controller. So that got in the way. Yeah. So I got, I got to play it with my pro controller and uh to get better at it it also has like a, a ranking system so very arcadey stuff like you, you just do a level each level is like at most a minute long they're very very short sequences the story is complete garbage <laughs> just mindless <laughs> it's just mindless stuff to get you from one level to the next and then they have this metagame uh part of it where you can augment your your jet fighter with different abilities uh, so you can have loadouts, and you can change your loadout, and you you can earn more stuff, so that you can make your load. You eventually get more and more loadout stuff yeah. as you continue to play through it. You also get ranked on each of the levels uh, based on your performance. So that's that's another uh, arcadey thing to do, and it's it's very nice. It almost presents itself like uh, Advance Wars did, because Advance Wars you could it, it's kind of like an arcadey ish take on turn-based strategy uh, I, I know it's weird I, I, I understand what you're trying to say um but when you, when you actually fire it up and play it if you've played the advanced wars games you'll know what i'm talking about because it looks art art style and sort of the feel of of how things look yes the gameplay is like completely different <laughs> but, but how things present are presented to you the ranking of missions and and stuff like that it kind of has that advanced wars type of feel also the the storytelling 
is a lot like Advanced Wars Storytelling. Right. It's it's for that same kind of uh, young teenager type level of storytelling. It's not like serious stuff at all. Not not at all, right? Yeah. But it's real good. Wow. That that's what I've been playing. What have you been playing? What? Oh, um, what I've been playing, I'm, I'm still uh, hacking away at Dark Souls Remastered. Um, I'm I don't want to say I'm a pro, so I'm not gonna say it. But I'm not a pro. I'm I'm only kidding. Uh, I just like to give my brother-in-law a hard time, which is which is a funny story. Which is why I started playing Dark Souls Remastered to begin with. He he had bought it. He said, "There's no way. This is an impossible game. No one has beaten this game." Which obviously is not true. I said, "You know what? Give that stupid game to me. Let me play it. I'm gonna put it on YouTube that I beat it, and I'm gonna show it off in front of everyone. And you know." I'll make fun of you. I don't know. Whatever. So that's that's the whole reason why I started playing Dark Souls Remastered. He borrowed my copy of Dark Souls 3. And he has been playing playing it like unbelievably. Like I played and beat that game like a while ago. And it's on uh, Xbox? X- Xbox One. Okay. And so he's been playing it nonstop. Constantly texting me about, all right, I'm on this boss. I'm on the... He's almost done with the game already. Like right. it has... He he just beat the boreal the the dancer um of the boreal valley, um because okay. that's that is he let me know because that's one of my favorite bosses in that game, yep. um not that it's difficult or anything I it was kind of challenging but I just like the the music that plays in that boss fight um yep. I love the 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 uh, the character design I, I like the animations I think it's just an awesome awesome character um well, that, and then, that fight you can actually do early in the game right. And I told him that I said you could do that really early, and I ended up doing it too early, and <laughs> it really, you know, it, it was very, very challenging. Yeah. Um, which is a problem. But anyway, he he had let me know that he 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 defeated that boss, and I said, all right, the next boss that's my favorite are the 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 twin princes. I don't think that's what they're called. Uh, want... There's a dragon, the yeah. dragon dragon rider i think or dragon slayer yeah i like um i, I want to say it's the lothric prince i think that's an, i'd have to look it up but oh, it's basically the one with two princes yeah but before you get to that fight there's the dra- you have to fight the i think there's a dragon they have to fight there is two- a dragon yeah and then there's also the dragon rider slayer person yeah uh, i think they have like a big giant shield that was kind of a tough fight yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i do remember that yeah but the the, the next my next favorite one was the was the princess. I like that that music and that character design and everything. Um, but the whole point is that is he's in, enjoying it. And I'm wondering like what is like what is the, the the difference here? Does it just look better? Yes. Um, maybe there are more refinements. Um, uh, maybe that that's it for him. Um, so I'm not sure what it was. Uh, that really that he just wasn't getting with Dark Souls Remastered, but actually hitting on with Dark Souls 3. Does Dark Souls 3 run at 60 frames a second? He's playing it on... Right now, he's playing it on the Series X. I don't know if... if That might uh, be running on at 60 frames a second. M- maybe that's the difference? So I know that um, Dark Souls 2 was when the Dark Souls games started to run at 60, but Dark Souls 2 was only running on 60 on PC. Yeah, I was going to say, I, 
I thought that was like a difference between the console and the PC, where the PC yeah. were the only ones that got the 60 FPS. I'm not sure. Well, it came out on uh, 360, and oh, then yep. and then when they did uh, Scholar of the First Sin on Xbox One, yep. that came with with the DLC and stuff like that. That I think that build of the that enhanced version of Dark Souls Two had the 60 frames per second on the newer on on the current gen systems or the previously current gen systems, the right. Xbox One and the PS4. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe maybe the uh, the higher frame rate is is what's helping him. I mean, on my honest opinion, Dark Souls Three is is the better of the trilogy anyway. So he's playing an overall better game, in my opinion. Well, yeah, maybe he also like got some skills that mm-hmm. he was he was hitting the wall hard with Dark Souls, but he learned the skill set to a certain degree and was able to hit the ground running yeah. with Dark Souls three. And I and I did tell him that I said I bet it now if you were to go back to Dark Souls Remastered, you'd probably do a lot better. Um because in my honest opinion, it's an easier game. <laughs> so big time. <laughs> you just go in there with your shield running around you know um but anyway yeah i've been playing that i've been doing a little bit of farming because i'm trying to really i'm trying to get to i think it's level 30 or something i want to get my vitality up to 30 my uh yeah vitality endurance up to 30 and then start increase i'm going for a dex build because i got the 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 balder side sword which scales incredibly with dex um and, and and apparently it's a very rare drop I I got it on my first kill of the uh, uh, Balder Knight. I think that's what it was. I think there are a few of them. So I think that's what they're called. Anyway, I'm trying to remember what the is. Is it a dagger weapon or is it an axe? No, it's like a. It almost looks like a, fen, a fencing uh, sword. Fencing sword. Uh. Yeah, it's it's a very small then. Anyway, so yeah, Dark Souls remastered. I started playing uh, Star Renegades. I was, you know, we've, we talked a lot about it, like the animations in this, in these, the combats and yes, the animations, the combats looks phenomenal. The sound design when it's working is awesome. Um, there's, there's just some issues with it right now. If you're willing to buy, get it now and wait out the problems, um, fine, but there, there are some problems. The game's crashed on me. Probably three times, uh, in in about five hours, six hours maybe of game time. Um, otherwise, other than the crashing, the game needs to be fixed. Other than that, uh, the overworld is kind of it's a roguelite. So the the overworld, when you're not in combat, it's it's just the overworld is kind of useless. There's really not much exploration there. You basically just jump from zone to zone. Once you jump into a new zone, you just fight an enemy. And once you defeat that enemy, there may be some sort of upgrade. Uh, That upgrade could be a card that you use to camp after everything is done, or maybe in between days of the overworld. Some some missions take three days, so you do camping in between and use these cards to to buff up your party or maybe even heal up your party. So there's that, and then there's also some sort of nemesis system, like in Shadows of Mordor, where if the enemy beats you, they become they go into ranks on that specific planet, and they become they can become more difficult. So this that sort of uh, nemesis system, I haven't really lost too many 
battles to ex really experience a lot of that. So I don't know. The, the the jury's still out on on that. But like I said, the animations look really, really cool. I'm still I feel like I'm still learning a lot of systems that are still they're still throwing on me even after five to six hours. Uh so I don't know. I think it's still bar beware for now. I want to say it's about $25, but maybe yeah. hold off for now. Um, I don't know if you're playing this, but I'm playing Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. I am not playing it yet. Do you have it, or you just... Uh, just the demo, and that's okay. it. Okay. I'm about 20, maybe, hours, 25 hours into Age of Calamity. I am having a really good time with it. I haven't had a good time with a game in a while. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. It's It's been a while. This year, I don't know what it is this year. I have not played a good, <laughs> a good, a game like this in, in this year. Okay. Yeah, so, I'm with you. Yeah. It hasn't been anything outrageously good on Switch this year. It's, it's been it, very few. It's been a, a, a tough time for me. Uh, but Hyrule Warriors, now, Forget about the the original Hyrule Warriors for a second, okay? Because that, that that has very little to do with what you're seeing in Age of Calamity. Age of Calamity, I think, tells a really good story, a prequel, um, and I'll throw that up in quotes because Evan on our site has thrown up a pretty good argument about why it may not be a true prequel, but I want to consider it a true prequel. It tells you the stories of the Great Calamity. And I think those story beats and those scenes are really done well. And in fact, maybe even done better than in Breath of the Wild. So those hit pieces, those story pieces you, that you're taking part in in the battle are really, really good. Um, the battle is, you know, the battle is, it's a Musu, uh, Misu game. So the battle is is what it is. You, you're just going to but, button mash, you know, because you're, you, you're doing these button mash combinations. But there's there's all sorts of other things. There's your special attack. Uh, there's different, um, you have the Sheikah talents. So like your Magnesis, your, your Stasis, your Cryosis, your Mag, like all those things. You still have... Those and abilities those are, as well. And those are for all characters to use. Every single character has has that ability, yes. Um, so the combat, I think, is unique enough to keep you interested, even though it is a button button mashing type of game. Um, and it does a good job as to tell you where to go, what to do in terms of how to manage your, your party, uh, whether you're not, you want to order them to different places. And then once they get to that place, you can switch to them really quick, take care of that battle, capture that zone or whatever. Um, so, I mean, it's a fairly seamless battle. I, I think it does a really good job in that. But that's not the whole, that's not what Age of Calamity is really about. It's really the narrative. And I think we, you and I were were on this anyway, that this is going to have that all-important narrative uh, for the prequel or the story before Breath of the Wild. And and it's hitting on that. It's doing, It's I'm not done with it, but it's doing a great job at that. Oh. I, I think now what Evan had said at switchrpg.com that this isn't a true sequel is the addition to the, uh, is the addition of the baby guardian. So the addition of that baby guardian being existent, um, having being exist, uh, in age of calamity and not in breath of the wild excludes it from being a true, uh, prequel. 
Uh, I don't think it does. I'd have I'd have to see the outcome. I, I really need to see the outcome of it all. It's it's there in the opening sequence. There, you don't even have to know what the outcome is. For what? For Breath of the Wild. For for Age of Calamity on the opening sequence. Right. Because you know. Right. You know. You understand why it's in Age of Calamity, but there's no signs of it at all in Breath of the Wild. There's no. There's no, no mentioning and, of it. And that is the answer, because what? it doesn't appear in Breath of the Wild. Because what happens is the first time that opening sequence this is not a spoiler. I mean, it's the opening. Right. Um, it was actually in the trailer that they released, right? Uh, that uh, little tiny baby guardian. It it uh, is in the end. Uh, it opens up with the ending where Calamity uh, Ganon appears, destroys <clears throat> destroys everything. Zelda's like, oh no, things are going crazy and. That thing is about to get blown up because Hyrule Castle got stormed by all the the Calamity Ganon uh, things, the the other guardians, the the corrupted guardians. Yeah. Uh, and then it goes into a time loop, going back. I don't know a year, whatever I'm guessing, or or whatever, whatever that time frame is. Yeah. yeah, it goes back in time, and that gives you everything you need to know. Right, because but it, it, it goes it, back in it. It goes back in time, but when you experience those times in yeah. for in um, Breath of the Wild, you have those memories that you can capture, and it gives you some of those scenes. Right, the the baby guardian. I think it's not, it's not going that far back because what it's going. It's only going. I, I didn't even mean to say a year. It's only going as far back as like a week. Right, I, whatever I, that whatever that time frame is. Yeah. Yeah, and. It lives through that week, and that's that week or two weeks, whatever whatever that time period is. That is the Age of Calamity storyline. And then that ends the same way always. And because it ends the same way always, that Guardian is in the forever loop of going back in time and repeating like Groundhog's Day. Instead of Groundhog's Day being one day, it's reliving that one week or two week, whatever that time frame is. It's reliving okay. that over and over again, and nothing's changing. I'm gonna have to not, not enough, not changing enough. Right, right, right. I'm gonna have to go yeah. back and and just really kind of try and pay attention to when things are happening. Because right, the proof is in the pudding. If it changed, if it if that thing going back in time resulted in a change in the outcome. Of what happened in Breath of the Wild, uh, uh, in in the the fall of the kingdom and Zelda imprisoning imprisoning Ganon for a mm-hmm. hundred years type stuff, if it changed that outcome, then it wouldn't have to go back in time, and then that would also mean that what happens in Breath of the Wild storyline wise fundamentally changes. Right. So because that doesn't, I'm guessing they would not want to redact. The or uh, the story of Breath of the Wild, and I think they don't want to make this story insignificant uh, because if they if they just made this story insignificant in the way that it does uh, do things that causes a divergence in the timeline. Yeah, they, they wouldn't want to do that. They, they wouldn't want to change the canon. So because they're not changing the canon, they, they put that thing, the Guardian, in an endless loop. So things can 
what ends up happening, what we know to happen as the end result, because of Breath of the Wild takes place in the future of Age of Calamity, it doesn't change, so it's still canon. Okay. Well, I'm not canon, done. I'm not right. I'm not done with it. So I mean, I still I need to see uh, see it to its fullest, right? I need to see actually what happens and kind of go from there. But if you're at all a Zelda fan, definitely recommend it. If you're a Breath of the Wild fan, temper your expectations because it's not Breath of the Wild. There really there's very minimal exploration. Like if you if you wanted to look for take some time to look for Korok seeds and whatnot, there's very little exploration. But some of the important um like places are there, like the Temple of Time, Hyrule Castle. Um, in certain battles. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's definitely worth a play. Just re- just know that it's not Breath of the Wild playstyle-wise at all. Um, but I do recommend it. Uh, my, my son hates it because it's not Breath of the Wild, so that that's just one example there. He's like, Daddy, I can't go wherever I want. I can't... Because that's what he loves about Breath of the Wild. He just... He sees something in the distance and he just goes yeah. for it. It's just, it's just different. That's unfortunate. Yeah. All right. That is what I've been playing. And tomorrow I'll be playing something probably very different, but I do want to finish this game. Um, so quick housekeeping. Don't forget to visit our Discord, discord.switchrpg.com. Our socials, we got Twitter, we have Facebook, we have merch on our website. Go visit switchrpg.com um for for all that all right cool uh new game announcements we have some uh one two three i'm not counting that last one uh just to spite you uh deck (laughs) deck building rp (laughs) deck building rpg deck of ashes is coming to consoles very very soon uh another card uh card based rpg here let me just read this this is on rp gamer A publisher, Buka Entertainment, has announced that it is bringing developer I, it's spelled A-I, so I'm not sure how to say it, I Games, Dark Fantasy, excuse me, deck building RPG, Deck of Ashes, to consoles next year after a long early access period, which is, I don't know that that's a good thing when something's in early access for way too long. That means it was put in the oven um, too early or something. I don't know. I can't even think of an analogy. Tasting the batter before <laughs> it was ready to bake, <laughs> or maybe even like the raw ingredients if it's been that that long. Uh, anyway, uh, after a long period of access uh, period, the game um, the game released for PC and Mac in June of this year. Now will be coming to Xbox One, PS4, and Nintendo Switch in spring 2021. So we have a few months to wait, uh, along with timed exclusive new character. Wow, that's really interesting that a uh, uh, an indie game. Has a timed exclusive new character. Okay. So yeah, what is what does this game look like? It says Q2021 in the thumbnail here. It looks pretty good. I like the art style. It's got like a comic book um mm-hmm. art style to it. Almost almost like uh Darkest Dungeon. Yeah. Uh the line work isn't as thick as Darkest Dungeon. Um but it how to describe that? The characters they kind of look like a certain thing. Either way, I mean, it, it looks pretty good. Uh, it's, it. I'm getting the vibes of like Darkest Dungeon and um, what's that other game? Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire. Yep. Kind of vibes because it's definitely a roguelike. It 
I mean, it looks like a roguelike to me. Yeah, I I have that feeling as well. Um, I'm looking at the overworld. There's just lots of stuff to go on, but yeah, I think your your um your mixture of games hits it pretty good. It's it's a card battling deck assembling roguelike campaign mode adventure style RPG game, and it looks it looks pretty good. I I'm I'm liking the artwork. It it's very cohesive. It doesn't have anything that's standing out as being like uh you know super low budget or amateur at all. Mm-hmm. Everything looks good. I mean, it's not like the best polished of things but it looks real good this is like a game that i would totally play if i if i ever had the chance or opportunity to as usual i would always wait for reviews and and see how it pans out all right we will see deck of ashes coming sometime this spring all right next we have mercenaries um blaze dawn of the twin dragons uh Coming this month, I want to say, like, really, really soon. Um, Let me see here. Let me just quickly read. All right. Mercenaries Blade, Blaze, Dawn of the Twin Dragons, seeing Western release on Switch this month. Um, So, yeah, this article is on Nintendo everything. All right. So, it's now getting a Western release this month with Circle Entertainment and Ridian announcing a December 17th date for North America and Europe. All right, cool. So if you're not familiar with Mercenaries, the Mercenaries games, they're very much in the same vein as Final Fantasy Tactics. Yep. Um, it's a tactics game. I think I think there, there are two people with Mercenary games. They either love it or hate it. So if you've played the previous ones, I don't... You, you, you may be into this one. I'm, I'm not very familiar with other than it's a tactics game. Um and very akin to Final Fantasy Tactics. Well, the Mercenaries games, it was like three of them, right? The Mercenaries Saga had three of them, and then mm-hmm. I think it had like a fourth one in that that trilogy of three as well. Something yeah. like that. It had like a ridiculous number of them. The I think the big thing, from what I remember, the big thing that that were detracted from Mercenaries was the story was either bad or terrible or boring like just just who cares boring type thing. I, mean, I mean was the do you recall if the gameplay was there the gameplay like, was there uh it wasn't there was nothing that kind of stood out as being uh exceptional but it was definitely there it had it had what you wanted in a tactics game it didn't have everything that you wanted and it didn't elevate it uh beyond um uh what you'd kind of expect from like Final fantasy tactics or tactics ogre right uh but I mean, this could be the one. I mean, they've been working on this. This is what the I guess the fifth game now in the series. I'm not. But I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. I hope the story doesn't uh, continue. I hope you don't have to play the other ones in order to play this one. Sure. So yeah. first thing I hope is that this one is the one that like really elevates it to to another level. Mm-hmm. And. If it does that, awesome. I'm totally down, because I love these games, as I already talked about many, many times. <laughs> right. And and if it also kind of does something new with the story, the story could still be, you know, bad-ish, 
Right. But as as long as it's it doesn't require you to play the previous ones, then I would totally be on board as long as the game itself plays, runs really well, and, and doesn't sort of uh, do things in the bad ways of doing things. Sure. I think we'll be uh, at Switch RPG covering this game as well. Uh, so it'll we'll, we'll see. Uh, it says in here, new to the series for Mercenaries Blaze, Dawn of the Twin Dragons are fully 3D battle maps along with improved visuals and audio. Character designs are from Mr. Masayoshi Nishimura. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, with the varied cast telling an exciting and surprising story. So it doesn't really say if it's a new story. It doesn't say if it's a continuation either. So I don't know. It might it might be a new I mean, this this has a chance to have me be excited to like to like a nine or a ten level excitement. I don't like believe this has it. I don't it could it. ramp me up. It could like set a fire <laughs> under my feet. I don't believe it. I could I, I could be like I could be like, ah, it's just another mercenaries game, it's probably not that good. Or I could completely 180 and be like, I am getting this game. I don't even need to see the reviews come out, even though I'm definitely going to see the reviews come out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So that is coming December 17th. Uh, next we have, it's a second trailer. I'm not sure if we've mentioned this game before. It's called Kingdom of Night. They've released a second trailer. Uh, this is from Dangan Entertainment and uh, Black 7 Studios. They've passed along a second trailer for Kingdom of a Night. It's an isometric action RPG. Uh, for the Switch, you can see a trailer on YouTube. I'm trying to get their, oh, it's right here, their previous post. Uh, this is, again, on Nintendo everything. This was um, posted in, in April 23rd, their first trailer. So it, is, it has been quite a while. Yeah, uh, it's, so, yeah, I, I got this press release, and I saw the art for it, and I thought it was, like, oh, it's just gonna be another pixel art horror type game. Then I then I started to see it play out. I'm like, oh, I'm getting like a little bit of a Stranger Things vibe, and then things continue to play out. I'm like, this game is doing some weird stuff and it's looking good and it has like it actually has combat that yeah. looks a little nuanced. I'm like, I think I have to pay attention to this game. <laughs> and, and and that's what I'm I'm like I, I really like the horror genre. I think you're kind of in the same the same oh, boat yeah. with that as well. Uh, so there aren't many good like horror RPGs, in my opinion. <laughs> there aren't many good ones. There aren't many, yeah. especially recently. I, I feel like it's been abandoned. But this one looks looks interesting. I like some of the enemy designs. Um, it's it's done in that kind of like it's not isometric. What would you even call this? Kind of your Zelda. That's isometric. Yeah, there you go. Isometric. Even Zelda would be isometric. There you go. So I don't know. It it definitely gives you gives you that Stranger Things vibes. It looks like it's from like maybe they're in the eighties or early nineties or something set in that time period. Um, but it reminded me of a game in the NES era. I can't think of of what it is off the top of my head. It just reminded me of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally. It almost like the the street brawler games not yeah. street brawler but uh what was it like fatal fury and uh streets of rage kind of like those but not those because it's it's also like playing different it's like it's like 
those games, along with like what you typically get in the nineties, mm-hmm. is what this initially looked like. It was something that you'd get like a point and click adventure. Yep. Was it is it I, is it out I got of this is it out of this world I'm thinking of? I gotta look this up now. Out of this Maybe. world. It's just this it was totally bothering me. I'm like, what is it? And and the game also has co-op, by the way. Does it really? It has co-op, yeah. That is that is pretty cool. I mean this game has a I'm I'm kind of excited for it. Like I, I definitely want to try this game because it's it's just weird. Yeah. It's just weird. It's interesting. It's got the co-op. It's an action RPG. Mm-hmm. And it's horror. The, the game it reminded me of is actually Out of This World. Now, Out of This World does not play like this, like um, Kingdom of Night at all. It's just that it's kind of maybe like the same color palette. I think maybe that's what really kind of made that connection. Um, yeah, Out of This World is, again, n- doesn't play like that <laughs> at all. Um, so yeah, Kingdom of Night, it says 2021, so sometime next year, definitely keep an eye on it, check it out, I'm not sure if it was out on anything else, it doesn't say, I don't think it's been out on anything else, like Steam or anything. Alright, cool, um, I'll let you talk about this next game, I really didn't really even want to talk about it, but. Uh, that I don't know why you wouldn't want to talk about. It. Are are you serious? Question. <laughs> like, I don't know if you're teasing me or no, no, no. Or... I, I'm I I am I am certainly am teasing you, and, and I understand. I I think my issue is that I was I'm never into this game, and um I un- but I do understand the gravity of the game. I understand that it's okay. a big announcement. I certainly understand that. It's just it was just never it was just a me it's just a me thing. That's all it is. Okay, so let me, let me just read the little uh, blurb that uh, my Nintendo News has. Is Neo colon the world ends with you coming to Nintendo Switch in summer 2021? Square Enix has confirmed this afternoon that a follow-up to the much-loved emphasis, much loved, much the loved. world ends with you, titled Neo, the world ends with you is coming to Nintendo Switch worldwide in summer 2021. The company provided some details about the brand new Tuwewi. What? Tui? Tui? Whatever, the abbreviation for The World Ends With You. Game including a fresh trailer. Read on below. So here's some little blurby stuff from Square. The World Ends With You. Uh... Neo, the world ends with you, transports players to the streets of Shibuya, where they will take part in the Reapers game for a life-or-death battle for survival. Players will take on the role of Rindo as they explore the heart of Tokyo to uncover the mysteries behind a sinister game in which they have been forced to take part. Neo, the world ends with you, brings a recreation of modern Shibuya to life in a unique comic-inspired style. Players can explore and enjoy the sights, sounds, and cultures of this bustling fight monster, uh, bustling city, fight monsters alongside their ally companions in fast-paced action battles and complete missions as they seek to change the fate they've been handed. A new trailer unveiled today provides a first look at the title, showcasing the hip visual uh, direction 
3D environments, gameplay, and battle sequences, and amped up soundtrack underscoring the game's eye-catching art style. The trailer can be viewed on the YouTubes and stuff. Uh, so that this kind of came, I guess it kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't think that that Square would actually relive this franchise. Like they they would give it a second wind. Well, yeah, because I mean, well, they did have uh, the world ends with you on the Switch. It, I don't know if it was a great port or not. It was it was a so the game that was a, a second hand port because the game came out on DS and it is phenomenal on DS. The original game, that's where it's intended to play because it actually required the user to use the stylus in order mm-hmm. to do pretty much most of the stuff that's happening in the game. You have to actually grip the game from from it's been a while since I've played and beat that game. I uh, I think you have to you have to move your character uh, and do certain things while having your left hand holding on to the controller and using the, the D-pad, and I think the L button maybe for some stuff. And then you have to use the stylus to do uh, draw in certain manners, like slashing or tapping or circling, uh, in order to do certain attacks and abilities uh, uh, and stuff like that for the combat stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was integral to, to how you play the game was a, there was a lot of touch stuff they had to do because that was the whole thing that the DS was about was touching is good and you had to you had to use that stylus <laughs> for stuff and it was and it was good like like the game played really good it was a different way of doing action combat instead of hitting buttons you're you're doing various stylus they, they took advantage of, of the hardware they took advantage of that hardware specifically mm-hmm. and then they ported that game to iOS and yes it's kind of similar. Oh, not only did it do that, but it also did the two screen stuff. Right, right, right. And from what I remember, your character was on the bottom screen battling stuff and your partner would whichever person that you were partnering with, uh, they would be on the top part of the screen. Um, I think that's how it worked. Oh, man, it's been so long. But they did a two-screen thing. So not only was it taking advantage of the stylus, it was also taking advantage of the dual-screen setup to mm-hmm. do different stuff. I think it was something, some along the lines of like, you had to watch stuff that was happening on the top screen, or maybe at some points, like the enemies that you attacked could be on the top screen or on the bottom screen, and you had to. It was. It's weird. I, I forgot. I forgot how it actually played out, uh, but I do know that the two-screen nature of it was also a factor and then they ported that experience over to the ios it did pretty good i'd never played it because i already played and beat it on ds so i never got the ios one and then they brought it over to switch which was a port of the ios game so you know as i said second hand port it's not going to translate very well and then they incorporated uh motion controls instead of they still have the touch controls we have to play the switch portably and when you're playing on dock, you have to do the motion control stuff, and that's not that's not going to work. Right. That's not the same at all. I mean, I'm just looking at the Metacritic here, um, and it was also 2D, so th- this is like a whole new new thing we got going on here. So the Metacritic is at 77, which isn't bad. This is for the Switch port. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. Because the original game, if you look at the Metacritic score for the original game, 
it's probably in the upper eights, if not the low nines. That's how good it was. Yeah. It, not just good, just absolutely amazing. It was a one-of-a-kind Square Enix RPG that doesn't... Sometimes Square Enix, Square Enix does come out with a lot of unique RPGs, but not all of them stick or, or land with such a good emphasis. Sometimes mm-hmm. they'll like hammer in a series over and over again until it finally starts to click. But with The World Ends With You, it was, you know, lightning in a bottle. They they nailed it for a shot. The game was phenomenal. It was probably one of the best RPGs on the DS. Right. Just amazing stuff. And it did unique stuff, right? It was it took place in a contemporary time frame, time period. Uh, you're in Shibuya, Japan. Uh, and you had weird, quirky stuff where you had to, like, eat food and the food that you ate would augment your permanent stats and the clothes that you wear is your equipment but the clothes you wear have brands and certain brands could come into fashion and 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 be the hot item uh for that time for that time frame and that could change as you're playing through the game where oh uh, you're wearing the whatever the brand is, the, the, the pink llama brand. Oh, that's so yesterday. <laughs> that's not, that's not the hot thing now. Now it's the, the, the black picture. <laughs> whatever it is. Brand, yeah. Whatever, whatever. Uh, and, and you have to like worry about which type of brand of clothes. And sometimes you can wear a brand of clothes that then makes it, if you wear, uh, if you do do well enough in it, it can actually come into style. And so you can like augment, uh, that type of stuff along with it. No, it was just weird stuff like that. The story was, uh, it's not like a great story, but it, it's an interesting story. It's unique in that uh, you're playing as people that are dead. And this whole game that you're playing is in order to get a second chance at life. Oh, and okay. you're, you're playing against other people that are also trying to get a second chance at life. So it's kind of like the Hunger Games, but you're already dead. <laughs> and you're, yeah. you're just like competing against it. Now, it's not a direct conflict that's actually occurring. It's it's not like the Hunger Games where it's like everyone against everyone kind of thing. Sure, sure, sure. That, that nature of it plays out through the story where you're where you're having discussions and bat, sometimes battles with uh, various people. Um, as you normally would in a uh, JRPG type of uh, setting. Gotcha. So, um, I uh, will I will say that though this this new rendition of the world ends with you does look uh, appeals to me more than the DS version or the iOS or the Switch, whatever you want to say that version of it. So it is fundamentally different, right? Uh, just just the fact that it's three D. It, it you're ex- it looks like you're going to be able to explore. The Shibuya world in uh, in 3D control of the camera, third person, you know, fairly behind your 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 back shoulder type type of thing, and that also takes into place in the combat system, where it's not a side scroll kind of uh, brawler like um, like Streets of Rage actually. That's kind of how the the original uh, kind of uh perspective wise how it looked uh it's not that this is a 3d probably a 3d arena maybe it's part of the environment yeah maybe you don't teleport to a battleground maybe you do 
Right. That part I don't know, but you're you're free roaming. That environment looks like there's a lock-on system. Right. Uh, and certainly, uh, I strongly doubt that there is a stylus of sorts. There are icons on the very bottom that are the. Uh, I'm guessing it's the badges. Um, no, not badges. What are they called? They might be called badges. Badges or like pogs. They're almost like I thought of them as pogs. They're like weird. <laughs> <laughs> let's call them badges they might have been called that badges. sounds better yeah yeah uh or medallions or, or medals or whatever badges uh and you would the way combat uh the way the game the combat side of the game is you could equip badges and these badges could be passives they could be activatables they would be an attack the badge itself would be the attack and you can kind of swap out uh which badges you'd uh, have equipped on your character, and that would change your your loadout, your build for the character, uh, and and change your attack style and and the damage types that you do, the elemental damage types and whatnot. So that changed a whole lot of stuff, and it looks like they have those badges on the very bottom of the screen for the combat. So they got that in there. You're not tapping on them you're not swiping i don't see any like swipey movie type things it looks like it's all button activated it looks yeah. like a lot, some of them have cooldowns on them as they did on the original game so it looks like it's a combination of what you would expect for a game that doesn't that isn't going to rely on the stylus also wow look at this world like look at how many characters they have drawn now they're not the best looking npcs but they don't need to be though right there's so many of them. Right. It, the, the world looks and feels lived in. Yeah. 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 Like I said, pins, this one. That's what they call them. They pin, call them pins. All right. Like buttons, pins, that sort of stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah this one looks more interesting. I'm going to be honest than the others. So I'm, I may be in on this. Maybe I'm in. I'm not in the, the Twooey, I guess we'll call it fan club. Yep. Because I don't like that one. But this one just looks like in. It just appeals to me more. The other, the other big thing about it is that the game had a fantastic soundtrack. Oh, yeah. uh, it, it was just a very unique soundtrack too. It was also like very J pop y, uh, but it was like well executed and not uh, cringy J pop. It was like good. It was like what you wanted. Okay, not like Xenoblade Chronicles X J pop y. Uh, good J pop. <laughs> Oh man! All right, that is what is uh, been announced uh, since we last talked to you. Now we got some quick. We're gonna qu hit these real quick. We got some upcoming RPGs for the next week. Today is December twelfth. We have um, Outbreak. I think we discussed the, the last time, as well as Morbid, the Seven Acolytes. We discussed the last time. Uh, let's just jump to Fire Emblem: Shadow of Dragon and the Blade of Light the longest name of a video game ever. Uh, so this is a, uh, I, th I think this is just a straight port of the original Fire Emblem. That was, uh, well, it's yep. been translated and brought over from Japan. The original, very first Fire Emblem in the series. Yep. Yeah. Well, you actually know who, well, you figure out who Marth is. <laughs> that, that Fire Emblem. Yeah. The one that never released here until it got remade on the Game Boy Advance. There you go. So that is... Oh, I lost my page here. So that is December 4th. Then we have Monster Sanctuary. Am I... Yeah. Uh, Monster Sanctuary. Is that uh, the 
the Pokemon inspired game there? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's inspired by Pokemon, but it looks like it looks to be a kind of like a platformer side scroller type of deal. So you, I think what you what happens is you collect monsters. Let's read this uh, description real quick. Description. Um, bah, bah, bah. Monster Taming meets Metroidvania. Collect, train, and battle monsters in a lovely side view pixel world. Uh, choose your spectral fam- familiar and follow in your ancestors' footsteps to become a monster keeper and save the monster sanctuary. So kind of cool. You, you kind of uh, traverse this platforming world. I'm not sure how the Metroidvania things work. Maybe you need certain monsters to get to certain areas. Uh, the powers of your monsters will allow you to explore. There you go. I'm reading it now. The powers of your monsters will allow you to explore and expand the world. Cut down vines, smash down walls, and glide over gaps, all with the help of your monsters. Pretty interesting. Yeah. I I do want to say, if anyone's thinking about getting a Fire Emblem game, I would say don't, and instead get the remake. It's fundamentally better. The original Fire Emblem game is old and has old things that aren't fun. <laughs> what do you what do you wait, say, say that again? What do you mean this or, this original we just talked about? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. this say- is a port of the original, and the, that original Fire Emblem game, you know, the first one with Mark, that got remade. That's the the Shadow Dragon one that released on uh, Game Boy Advance. So right. if, if you want that storyline. Get it in the better experience, which is the Game Boy Advance version, which did come here to the States. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I mean, if you just want to have it because it is uh, a weird oddity that Nintendo is finally porting an NES game from 30 years ago on over 30 plus years ago. Yeah. So if you want to get it for that for that reason, then by all means, go for it. But. I mean, it's not like it's break of the bank either. It's five ninety nine. So. It's it's not yeah. it's not not too just, bad. Just temper your expectations. You're not gonna get a very fun, awesome game. <laughs> um, and I think that's all I'm gonna <laughs> mention today. Um, if you want to know what's upcoming on the Nintendo Switch for any genre, um, or RPG genre, head over to Deku Deals. That's essentially where we get a a lot of our release information. Uh, Have you? By the, the way, upcoming week. Have you looked at this Monster Sanctuary game? Yes, why? It looks good. That's what I said. Where where have you been? I don't know. I don't know. I'm looking <laughs> at it now. You you were you were in Fire Emblem Land. I was. I was in Fire I was also pulling up the video for Monster Sanctuary. Okay. Because it said Metroidvania. I'm like, okay. Metroidvania. I'm already I'm already on board. You're halfway there. Yeah, I'm there. Uh, it's not an action game though. This is this is a turn-based RPG, and I and you're having your monsters fight for you. They are the party members. It doesn't look like the main character does anything. It looks like yeah, he's kind of like, like Ash Ketchum. Monsters. Just doesn't do anything. Yeah, he's in the background saying, "I choose you." And you go fight good. my battles. Yeah. So turn-based combat, and then once you're out of combat, you're you're exploring. Metroidvania style. So Rated E10 for ages 10. It's interesting because it's a, an RPG that's side scroll. And typically those side scroll RPGs are action oriented. Yeah. But this one's turn based. That's yeah. very unique. 
I don't think I've seen that done very often. For a turn base, no. Yeah, typically it's like Metroidvania, like a Castlevania game that's action combat, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Or or some sort of actiony roguelike type of game. Right. Yeah, and there's all like it's, it's. I'm looking at this leveling system. It looks really kind of involved. Yeah, I, th- I think this this might do really well. Like you can yeah, you can breed you can breed the monsters and everything. Interesting. Very, yeah, very very fascinating. And uh, was it? they had this uh, bird phoenix flaming bird phoenix thing rated E ten. And uh, I guess you could like grab onto its legs, and it can like give you like a little bit of a extra hover height when you jump. Right. Well, I'll I'll read the description. Again, Johnny. Um, no. <laughs> uh, where did I read this? Uh, explore a Metroidvania-inspired world. The powers of your monsters will allow you to explore and expand the world. Cut down vines, smash down walls, and glide over gaps. All with the help of your monsters. Assemble your team, hatch, collect, and train monsters from across the world and build your team. Every monster has a unique skill tree to allow you to customize and tailor your party. And it's 3v3 combat. And you're not necessarily fighting like other, like in Pokemon, you're fighting other Pokemon. Like I'm just looking at a screenshot here. It looks like um, you have three of your own monsters. Okay, potentially even more. I'm seeing six, but maybe there's there's something else, some sort of different battle going on. But you're fighting against like goblins and, and, and whatnot. So it's not like you're fighting the same other monsters. So it's a little bit different yeah. in that aspect. They got. It looks like they have a pretty good range of different monstery type stuff. The mm-hmm. combat, though, man, it, it looks like the combat takes a while. And I'm really surprised you haven't gone to Steam to look at some of the reviews. It it, it looks like it's reviewing really well on Steam. It's don't, been don't it, me with good time. I'm doing that right now. It's been released on on Steam. It says release date August twenty eighth, twenty nineteen. And it's still in early access? Is that what I'm seeing here? Yeah, still in early access. So it's probably going to get a full release. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's actually uh, scoring really well with the users. Wow. All right, I'm, I'm going to have to pay attention to this game. Pay attention, Johnny. Pay attention. I'm watching. I'm and, pay, watching and pay attention when I start talking about the games, you know, so I don't have to repeat the whole dang thing. I was. <laughs> <laughs> you remind me of my high school days. Um, all right, so now now we're wow, we're over an hour here. Uh, we're getting into the news. Ooh. Well, let's quickly go over these news. Game Awards 2020 Players Voice uh, is uh, now open. The voting is now open, which in- now includes Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition and Hyrule Warriors. Um. So these weren't included in any other categories. And um, I'm trying to look at the list. All right. So the full list of player titles of titles in the player's voices as follows. We have Ori, The Will of the Wisps, Last of Us, Miles Morales, Ghost of Tsushima, Valhalla, uh, FF7 Remake, Hades, uh, Doom Eternal, Fortnite. Fortnite, get that out of here. Um, Among Us, get that out of here. Oh, this oh, a lot. Us came out this year, right? Yeah, I understand that, but that's that's like these are fad type of games. Maybe not Fortnite, 
but like Among Us, I mean, really, come on. Well, Fortnite's old, so that should that should not be on here. Yeah, no, uh, Fortnite should not, but it's had like stupid expansions and stuff like that that people are are playing. Uh, then you have Valorant, League of Legends, Half Life, Alex, uh, Animal Crossings. Um, may may put uh may may do something. Uh, Fall Guys is another one of those fad games. Apex Legends, Destiny Two, Genshin Impact, Minecraft Dungeons. Holy cow! I'm really surprised. That's one I'm really surprised on. Uh, Crash Bandicoot Four, Phasma Phasmophobia. Really? Uh, I don't know what that is. Uh, Star Wars Squadrons. I didn't think that reviewed well, but maybe it did. Uh, Persona Five Royal. Oh, another. Let's do Persona Five all over again. Uh, Bug Snacks. Call of Duty, Black Ops, Cold War, Demon Souls. That just came out, too. Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity, um, and Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. And last but not least, I'm, oh, Free Fire and 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim. Yeah, 13 Sentinels gets so, my vote. 13 Sentinels gets your vote? Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, as, as much as I would want Xenoblade to get it, it's... Uh... It it's something that's already been out. So, yep. out of all these games, I mean, Final Fantasy VII remake. Sorry, no, they that ending was terrible. <laughs> yeah, when you're trying to do an episodic thing, it's gonna be gonna be tough. I mean, honestly, Hades is is kind of like the no brainer one. Yeah, uh, they're already so in there. Yeah, I'm sorry. What were you saying? I was going to say, Demon Souls, if it didn't already come out, if it was like the first time we get yeah. to experience Demon Souls, then I'd be like, definitely that. But it's going to be Hades, and then after Hades, 13 Sentinels, because I'm thinking of like unique experiences that of games that came out this year. Now, I know Hades is in early access late last year, but um, you know, 13, 13 Sentinels and D- and Hades, that's and Hades is definitely the best game that came out this yeah. year. Yeah, I, I, I'd have to agree with Hades. Um, that one, I don't know. That one might win it all. But it's it's tough because it's it is indie, right? But it's it's a really good fun game. So, uh, it's it's a such a well done game, well yeah. done across the board. But my vote. Bit, Go ahead. I am a little bit disappointed on the music in Hades. It's not bad. Really. It's just coming from the music in um, Pyre. Mm-hmm. I was expecting more from Hades because Pyre, the music was top notch across the board, just, yeah. just great. Stuff. And Hades has fine music, but Pyre like escalated. There were moments, musical moments in that game well, over the, and over. Like cinematic, almost. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't recall if Hades has like a music player mode. But if it does, I, I think you should probably go back and listen to it and uh, just to kind of isolate the music because it is done really well. It has an NPC dedicated to oh, that, music. Oh, that's right. Um, uh, is it... Uh, I forgot the... Per- oh, 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 something. Or? No, no, no. Anyway, yeah, yeah. You're, you're right, though. It does have that. But I, there might be something out of game that has, has it as well. Yeah. I, uh, Hades would probably get my my vote as well. All right, yeah. so Atlas says it's working on resolving technical issues in SMT three Nocturne HD remaster. So there there's some issues uh, there. So this is um, 
This is... Da, da, da. This is on my Nintendo news. The long-awaited remaster of SMT Nocturne HD finally launched on the Nintendo Switch recently in Japan, but there have been complaints from the Japanese consumers that the game is a uh, game is a bit of a technical mess. That's not good. <laughs> Atlas has taken to its blog to announce that they are working hard on resolving issues that players have faced, including bugs, glitches, frame rate issues. This means that things should be fixed by the time SMT3 Nocturne HD Remaster launches in the West. So great, they're beta testers, and we'll just get that nice finished we'll product. product yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good news. I mean, it's it's bad that they released it buggy, but the fact yeah. that they put that blog out there saying, "Hey, we're going to fix this." That's good news because by the time we get it, as they said, hopefully it's resolved. Smooth. And I'm just looking at the comments again. I, my Nintendo news. All right, so Japan are the guinea pigs for this game. Joking aside, they rarely release games in a broken mess and are now one of the few companies that do make quality games with a bunch of content and making DLCs as extra. Basically, they aren't Bethesda, Activision, Ubisoft, and especially they aren't EA. Yep. So want me to get the next one? Yeah, sure. All right. So I'm, I'm just going to quickly headline this. Uh, no plans at the moment. That's the quote. Uh, to bring the original Monster Hunter Stories game to the Nintendo Switch, says Capcom, because they had their little financial stuff uh, ongoing. That's like leftover comment stuff. So maybe it's not going to come over. Maybe it will. I doubt it. Well, I mean, if Monster Hunter Stories does well, or if Monster Hunter Stories 2 does well, there's a potential for the first one to come on over. They're not going to do it. They, I think they learned their lesson with Monster because Monster Hunter Stories is a 3DS game, and it, and it, and it it's not even a good looking 3DS game. Exactly. So there's no way they're going to bring that over because it's it's going to be night and day. Like like yeah. they're going to have Stories Two come out. People are going to play that. They're like, oh wow, now I want to play Stories One, and then Capcom brings that out, and then people look at it at the box art and in the images, and they're like. This looks terrible. I'm not gonna buy this. And unless they re, unless they remaster or you know remake it, that's it, a different story. But yeah. a port is not gonna happen. No. Yeah. Yep, I agree. What do we got next? Something for you. Something for me. All right. Uh, The Witcher Three on Nintendo Switch was a good revenue driver and performed really, really well. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is, this is, goes without saying, but what does this mean for the future? I, I don't know, man. I mean, CD Projekt Red tends to put all their stuff on these, these higher performing consoles. I don't know that we're going to see, for example, like Cyberpunk 2077, this iteration of the, the Switch, definitely not, not coming. Uh, but we did have other support, like we had, um, Thronebreaker from CD Projekt Red. So we're getting some stuff there, but oh, it's yeah. coming. You think what's coming? Uh, Cyberpunk. No. <laughs> no full, full bells and whistles. Unless maybe a cloud version could help exactly that. Cloud. But man, they're, they're, they did it with control. They, they did, did it with a, a bunch of other games: Resident now, Evil, Assassin's Creed. You played Control. I played the uh, the tech demo. Thing, the tech yeah. demo. How did how did it look? Handle? I I, I wouldn't it, even know. It looked good. It looked uh, pretty good. Uh, it has a little bit of that uh, compression kind of blurriness uh, that's in there that you typically get when you're streaming anything. Uh, it had a little bit of that. A little bit of input lag. Um, but 
for the most part, it was serviceable and playable. The it depends on the game, right? If it's if if it's action intensive and requires quick responses, which there is some shooting elements that uh, you eventually get into in control, yeah, it can kind of detract from that a little bit. Uh, so maybe it depends on the game. If it's something that you need to be really responsible, if it's a first-person shooter, it ain't happening. But right. if it's a third-person action game, if there's difficulty options, maybe drop down the difficulty by a notch just to accommodate for the input lag. Hopefully, I mean, the input, it's, it's kind of hard to notice it unless you're paying attention to it. If you're paying attention to it, you'll definitely notice. Sure. But yeah, that was my Okay. Yeah, and it, it's and your mileage will always vary on something like like that, right? It's going to yeah, depend it, on your connection. Frame, and frame rate wise, it ran fine. Like there was no stuttering on on the video feed. Okay. All right, Dead Cells news. Dead Cell Dead Cell sales are over 3.5 million DLC launches in early 2021. I'm so surprised that they continue to support this project here. So Motion Twin, the developer behind the critically acclaimed Dead Cells have announced today that they have sh- they've shifted over 3.5 million copies of the roguelike action platformer. Uh, looks like the the DLC titled Fatal Falls will be coming early 2021. It contains another two levels and a boss, plus new weapons, enemies to play with. It will cost you five dollars. Not that's, that's, bad. Yeah, well, that's that's a really good price. Three and a half million copies is insane. Absolutely insane for an indie developer. That that is major major success. Like yeah. kudos to them. They they hit it out the park with that. Yeah, and and it's not three point five million copies on the Switch. I think it's just collectively, right? Yeah, collectively. Yep. Yeah, which is f- still phenomenal, right? Absolutely phenomenal. Like just just hitting. What was it? There was a game that uh we're gonna get into later on that hit five hundred k, and that was a major success. Right. Three right. and a half million is insane. Well, I, I think, again, in terms of what we're going to discuss with the other game, there's definitely a, uh, you know, a niche uh, when it comes to, say, for example, Dead Cells and the other game. So you, you definitely is a uh, a niche crowd. So you, Dead Cells is pretty niche. It's a roguelike that is sprite graphics, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. But yeah, 3.5 million is is absolutely insane. Now. What else do they got? What else does Motion Twin have? Can are when and are when are they going to move from that project? I, I am hoping that they are that they've been working on their next project. Yep. While still supporting uh, Dead Cells, yep. but you know what? If they're continuing to support it, because it's by their continued support, it's getting all these additional sales. Like. Mm-hmm. Who knows? If they didn't continue to support it, maybe it only would have gotten one million in sales. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. All right, cool. Um, Saga Frontier getting an HD remaster with exciting new content in 2021. This was kind of a, a big news for, for some folks out there. Uh, Square Enix being on a hot streak when it comes to remastering their older games has announced Saga Frontier remastered for the PS4 and uh, for PS4, Nintendo Switch, Windows PC, iOS, and Android. Those last two are always what scares me. Um, but let me go on further. This is an enhanced re-release of the 1997 PS1 Classic with a shiny HD visual, with shiny HD visuals 
and even brand new content, and it will launch worldwide summer 2021. Is this something that you've you've played at all? Uh, no, no, I haven't played any of it. I, you know what I do like? I like the uh, concept art of the characters, the the sort of 80s, 90s style anime uh, yep. concept art of them. The in-game visuals is it's all right. Um, it it actually does look serviceable. Like I, I could totally play it. I, I can. It's it's that kind of pre-rendered, modeled. Uh, in in 3d programs of the 90s and yeah. uh and pre-rendered and i could totally get behind that so i mean that that last little bit in the trailer is that big giant turtle with chains on it uh, <laughs> it just looks so so silly and ridiculous but i'm i'm totally on board i have no no clue about this franchise and and whether it's going to be good and worthwhile right so that that turtle is uh, actually uh, Blastoise because he's got like cannons on him and everything. So you'll you'll want to watch out for that hydro pump move. Uh, yeah. So it's got a bunch of quality of life stuff, all that all that uh modern sensibility. But yeah, cool. Definitely, uh, I know there's definitely a lot of people that are excited for that one. All right, Sakuna of Rice and Ruin yields a harvest of 500,000 copies sold worldwide. Now, this is an, an Exceed product or Marvelous product. I'm not sure what they are at this point. Uh, yep. The Rice Harvest has been very abundant for developer Idleweiss and publisher Exceed Games, releasing only in a, releasing only in the last few weeks across Japan, North America, and Europe. Sakuna of Rice and Ruin has already sold over 500,000 copies worldwide. These numbers include digital sales along with sell-in figures. I, I'm not sure what that is. Because um, I, didn't, I didn't think they were doing physical version of this. Maybe they are. But anyway, yeah, this is a, like you, we were talking, we were alluding to this, right? This is the other niche game that we're talking about. So it's only been out for a few weeks, less than a month. And it's sold quite a number of copies. And it's reviewed really well. So yeah, you got to you got to make a good game to sell that many copies. That just goes without saying. Yeah. And they went on record saying that they're, um, they're working on a patch to, uh, spruce up some of the, the technical, uh, performance issues of the game. So yeah. it will either run better, look better or both. Uh, yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll be improved upon. So, yeah, it, like I had mentioned, it's reviewed really well. Um, I might actually want to take part in this game at some point, even though I don't like farming games. I think this is a little more involved in that. I, I got to look into it a little bit more. But yeah, very very cool. Well, it's side scroll action RPG combat, which is always a a, a fun tried and true mm -hmm. uh, gameplay mechanic. Mm -hmm. I played a I played a very early version of the game. It didn't really sell, you know. It, well, it didn't really sell it to me. So, uh, Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity shipped over three million copies worldwide. The Breath of the Wild effect on this it's <laughs> real. is real. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, it's also hitting hitting during the holidays. Yeah. And but I and think it, people are playing this before the holidays. This, you know oh, yeah. what I mean? These aren't just all Christmas gifts. 
Oh, no, 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 absolutely not. I mean, this is going to, it, by the end of the year, it's probably going to hit 6 million or more. Maybe yeah. even, maybe even get close to 10 million. Right. This is going to be like the best selling Warriors Musu game. It has to be now at this point. I, I mean, we'd have to dive into it, but this has got to be like up there. It's, I, it's, yeah. yeah. It's insane. And like I, like I said, this is, it's also the, I think Nintendo obviously had a major part in it. So that has a lot to do with it too. So yeah, it's, it's a great game. The narrative is really where it hits it out of the park. Um, the, the warrior style combat is still there, uh, but you know, it's good. Even the side missions are are interesting. Granted, yeah, the the, the combat is the combat, but it tells a story, and it, it actually all the side missions are where your your progression actually is. If you don't do any of the side missions, you really your character won't be that strong. So you you're almost in a in a way have to do a lot of the side stuff. Yeah, and uh, I I like. The, that aspect of that overworld map and sort of having some nuanced decision-making they have to do yeah. uh, regarding where you need to go next and what missions you need to take on next and all that. Right. So, so and, it, and, and like I said, it's, it's reviewed really, really well. Yeah. On Metacritic, it's got 86 critic reviews at this time, and it averages a 78. So it's on the high end of good. Mm-hmm. I think the only the only major issue that the game has uh, across the board is the performance of the game. Yeah, where the frame rate definitely dived. Yeah, there's some minor technical things, but as I've mentioned before, I'm not really a frame rate snob, uh, mm-hmm. so it really didn't bother me. I I noticed it, but it, it didn't really affect the gameplay. Um, I understood why it was happening. You know, there are like a million things going on. There's a lot of enemies all in one, one time. Um, I think even like the, you know, even the next gen consoles experience that as well. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it didn't really, didn't really bother me yeah. to be honest with you. Uh, but we have here another article, my Nintendo news. Uh, Nintendo says Hyrule Warriors isn't expected to become its own series after Age of Calamity. And I really hope it doesn't. I hope this is a kind of a, a one-off project. I really don't want to see Zelda presented in this way, meaning like a warrior style game. You know, you know where I would be okay with is if they took, if they like Smash Brothers style, the Warriors with Nintendo though. So it's it's warriors, but it's not just Zelda. It's all the Nintendo characters, you know, a big slew of Nintendo characters. If they, they could, get- if they could fit it into some wacky world, like like yeah, story yeah. wise, maybe. Like I don't want to see Mario and Luigi out. I don't know out there and Bowser. Mario, Luigi, Bowser. Uh, you got Captain Falcon, Samus. They're all they're all out there. Yoshi's out there. They're having a black Kirby is the most powerful one. <laughs> Maybe Kirby's an unlockable. <laughs> <laughs> when you beat the game, you get the best character. I don't know. I I don't know if I. I don't know if I. I think I've had my fill in Warriors games. That's my thing. Like I I think this the 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 actual story lends itself to what the combat actually is. You know, it's like a lot of like stuff going on, a lot of war going on, so it works out well. I don't want to see Zelda like you would like we were kind of a 
you know, alluding to. I don't want to see Zelda involved in this at all. Now, if you want your smash em up warriors or whatever you want to call it, I don't know. I don't. I don't think you can make sense of a good story like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. I, what they need to do with the Warriors franchise is, I mean, bre- this Age of Calamity one has definitely upped it, upped its, uh, its ambition. They need to like really the next iteration, whatever it is, they need to like really learn from it. Imagine it, yeah, learn from this and really up its ante on on what this franchise is capable of. Right now, don't. Uh, don't get me wrong. Like the Breath of the Wild effect is is what's happening here. But again, yeah. the the whole reason is because it tells the, the the great story. And if you can tell a good story in a Warriors game, maybe that's your secret. That's your you know recipe for success. There is that that really good narrative. Well, oh, oh, you know, let's not let's not say that the Breath of the Wild story is is the best thing since sliced bread. I'm, no, I'm, what I'm saying is that there's some cohesion here, like right? You yeah. know, do you know what I mean? I'm not yeah. saying that like like it's a freaking masterpiece, uh, but it, there's, there's cohesion here. It's it's a more thoroughly designed world because it's leveraging the efforts that were put in on Breath of the Wild. So, right, yeah. right. It's a, it's fleshing it fleshing it out more. Yeah. All right. right yeah. yeah. Really cool. Uh, what were you going to say? Oh, uh, I thought we were going to go into Rumorland, but we have one last little thing. That's Immortals, Phoenix Rising. There's a whole lot of stuff out there. The game comes out in, what, tomorrow? Two tomorrow. days or something like that? Yeah, tomorrow. So tomorrow, uh, there's uh, some some places have done graphical uh, comparisons between the PS5 version and the Switch version. Uh, it, you know, surprise, surprise, it looks really good on the PS5, and <laughs> kind of looks a little blurry on the switch but it you know it's it looks all right there's lots of fog use that they do uh into the distance right the the if you don't if you don't mind not being able to see things very clearly that are way off into the distance it'll be serviceable graphically mm-hmm. and the frame rate won't be running at uh 60 it's running at 30 sometimes the frame rate is also a little inconsistent and that's generally it other than uh those two things you're getting the full-blown immortals phoenix Rising experience on the switch uh it just won't look or run as well as the ps5 version but this scores is... the review scores are out and they're kind of reviewing roughly right around the same range that's i think good. the ps5 version is uh maybe like one or two or three percent higher okay that's it no, actually, pretty good. You know, I'm kind of surprised. I really didn't know what to expect out of this, to be honest with you. Uh, but I, I will be getting it. I will be playing it. Um, hopefully, I can put a lot of time into it because I want to finish Age of Calamity. But yeah, it doesn't look it doesn't look bad. Cool. All right, Rumorland. What what are we doing here with Rumorland? Pokemon twenty What's that? This isn't really a rumor because the Pokemon company did reveal this 20 Pokemon 25th anniversary logo thing to fans. So all they said was, you know, hey, stay tuned for more details uh, when we celebrate the 25th year of Pokemon or anniversary of Pokemon in uh, 
2021. So next year is the year to celebrate Pokemon, the 25th anniversary of Pokemon. So something's going to happen then. We're just going to celebrate Pokemon all year? Well, (laughs) I I guess we could talk a little bit about that later, about predictive stuff, because we do have a question on that. Sure, yeah, we can can hold off. But yeah, they got something, something going on. They got something planned, but they always have something planned with Pokemon, so yeah. it's not really a surprise. Yeah, right. And actually, we we can hit that question here. Uh, so, um, these are questions that come from the Nintendo Switch RPG fans Facebook group. I put in a post there, asked, for, told them we were recording, and uh, asked for questions, and we got we got four questions, guys. So let's hit on that one we were just talking about. So this is Mike Dioshberg. Ignoring leaks and rumors, what do you think Nintendo is going to release next year for Pokemon's 25th anniversary? What do you think? Well, to clarify, it's not Nintendo. It's the Pokemon company. Sure. They're going to do stuff. Yes. So what they're going to do, and this is, you know, I am seeing into the crystal ball. This is going to be 100% fact. Uh, Pokemon Snap. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're, oh, yeah. already <laughs> they're already doing it that's cheating so that's coming out next year so so we know that's happening yeah uh, i don't i don't think they came out with a definitive date but being that you know 25 years of pokemon is going to be a big thing to celebrate uh releasing pokemon snap to coincide with that because pokemon snap came out in the almost 25 years ago so that kind of lines up real good with, uh, what was it? That was like a 1997 game? 98 game? I don't know. Like yeah, on the N64, I have no idea. Yeah. So, that's going to be a thing. A game? I don't know, because they worked on the DLC for uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield this year. They were working on that DLC and last year. Mm-hmm. So, for them to be able to have some bigger Pokemon game to release, I don't think it's going to happen. What might happen is potentially another remake, kind of like Hey You Pikachu. Is it Hey You? Not Hey You. Let's go, uh, Pokemon. Let's, let's go. go. Let's go. <laughs> they might do another Let's Go, but for uh, what was the one that came red, after? Red and blue. No, what was after that? After was that, it like fire, leaf green, and fire red. Fire red and leaf green. Was that the one that came after that? Oh, you're you're putting oh, po- you... sapphire. No, mm. I, I'm not down. Sapphire or it might be fire red and leaf green. It was one of those. Uh, so they might do that. So they'll do a uh, a let's go, uh, sapphire red version. Yeah. Okay. Or red, not sapphire red. So that could be a thing. Also. They have been making Pokemon games that are just out there, right? There was that weird boxy QB one with the Pokemon. uh, Pokemon Quest. Quest, that's it. So they could do something weird like that as well. Oh, you know what? Oh. You know what they're definitely going to do? Actually, this lines up perfectly. All right, so you know what? It's going to be two games. And we know about them already because they've already announced them. I'm not even writing this stuff down, but go ahead. and it's going to be that League of Legends Pokemon game that they also announced. League of Legends? Yeah. Yeah, I, I forgot what it's called, but it's it's League of Legends, but with Pokemon. Oh, yes, 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 yes. 
Yeah, we 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 commented on this, so that's it. I th- I think it's going to be those two things, and po- maybe they'll do like a an anime or something like that. Pokemon, un- Pokemon Unite. Unite. That's it. It's uh, po- what's the Pokemon Snap called? I think it's called Pokemon Snap, or or New Pokemon Snap. New Pokemon Snap. So New Pokemon Snap and Pokemon Unite. That's what we're going to get as a celebration. Uh, everything else outside of that is a possibility but we're going into like unlikelihood land and i think having those two games the snap and the unite land for next year both of them landing next year that's a big deal those are two big games you went way into the the pokemon memory bank holy cow i do remember talking about this but I'm, (laughs) i'm surprised you remember it we talked about it this year right um, this news was June, June 24, 2020. Yeah. So it was this year. It's just so many things happened this year. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things happened. Uh, so yeah, Pokemon company has teamed up with Tencent to create a five V five multiplayer online battle arena game called Pokemon unite for the yep. switch and mobile devices. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Uh, those two I games. Mean, yeah, out. it's happening. And then maybe something, uh, I don't think anything bigger than those two games are going to come out next year. Yeah, I'd have to agree because, I mean, they just came out with a major DLC uh, package for um, the the new Pokemon game. I can't even think of the name of it right now off the top of my head. Um, yeah, Pokemon Snap is definitely in our in our future as long with Pokemon Unite, uh, which you reminded me about. I, th- I think the biggest thing that we could also get is another let's go but that that's a far-fetched thing that i don't know that's unlikely to occur yeah a thing that could occur is and i think this is a stronger possibility even though this is a little bit of out of left field is another pokemon puzzle league yeah i i don't know i don't know that they're I'm going to be honest, I don't think they're coming out with another game, other than the two that we've mentioned. I don't think they're going to have another another game. I think they game. could with Pokemon Puzzle League. Yeah? It's, it's a small enough game design that it it's very it could be feasible. Okay. And that game came out like 20 years ago. Now, because yeah. now because it is the 20 the 25th anniversary, could they also have like what was the what is their anniversary? Is it off of the the uh the cards, or are we talking the anime itself, or the Pokemon games? Ritual. The game. The game. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So they may have. They're gonna have to do something with that, right? I would think. Uh. Well, how many times are they gonna like remake that game? And- I don't know, but that's 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 the whole reason why we're we're discussing this. It's 25th anniversary. That was their their initial thing was Pokemon Red and Green. Yeah, but it's more so 25 years of Pokemon. Yeah. I mean, look at what Nintendo just did for Mario 35. Yeah, it was... They celebrated it in multiple ways. They did the little Switch Online game. They did the the Mario uh, 3D games, the Mm -hmm. Galaxy and and Sunshine and Mario 64 package. So we have precedent here, right? Could Pokemon do something similar? Will they have some sort of Super Mario 35 or whatever? Oh, or something, yeah, they could do something a like that. Maybe maybe they bundle uh, some uh, Pokemon games. Maybe like 
one of and these would be ports right yeah. so what they would do is they would probably take like a pokemon game that released on the game boy advance maybe the the ruby red sapphire whatever it's called red leaf or leaf green uh <laughs> we'll never get it it's okay it's fine it's fine <laughs> uh, so maybe they take one of those or both of those package that with some other weird pokemon games like pokemon puzzle league and and some mm-hmm. other stuff maybe they'll just do a, a bundle of like some legit pokemon games along with or pokemon stadium for example along sure. with some other off pokemon offshoots yeah uh, one thing's for sure there's definitely going to be some pokemon go event without a doubt they'll they'll have something for that right yeah. um and maybe some pokemon cart racer who knows <laughs> who knows all right um then we have a couple other questions going back to the questions that are very very similar we have jonathan pelletier uh as well as elias lutz um jonathan asks what the would the switch benefit more from ports of rpgs from the nes snes era or focus more on modern releases uh, Elias also asked, since we are getting HD ports like Saga Frontier, which we've discussed, for example, what are other franchises? What other franchises do you think would benefit most from the port treatment? So, they kind of are asking similar questions, right? Would the Switch benefit more from ports of RPGs from the SNES or NES SNES era to focus or focus more on modern releases? I say both. Yeah. <laughs> both. I mean. If it's a poor, it you're not using a big team to make something new. No, you're just fixing, you know, any buggy issues that existed with the original game, and you're making it run uh, via the Switch emulation model. Yeah. Done. And and if it's the HD port, like Saga Frontier, it's going to be even better looking. Yeah. T- typically, even better looking. I mean, it'll it'll have it won't the the visuals at the very least won't be as blurry. Yeah, right, right. I I think when you're talking NES and SNES era, you're talking pixel games anyways. Um yeah. and those translate a little bit better than the PS1 um era games uh because they were trying to do some new different stuff with 3D graphics basically. So the SNES any pixel art is just always or bit graphics whatever you want to call it is always just going to translate better to HD. So well, mm. Should, uh, pixel art should always should always translate better to HD. It, it well, it just it's always going to look the same. So it's not that yeah. it's going to transition transition nicely in HD. It's uh, you're just not going to lose any quality in image quality mm-hmm. because it just translates one to one. Sure, but um, it it depends on how they scale things. Right, because then they'd have to scale things in a, in a relatively perfect way, so that there there's no loss in 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 pixel accuracy and, and yeah yeah if you're if you're if you're changing aspect ratios things like that that's going to present a whole separate set of issues. Right. Yeah. I mean, oh. I mean, if it's that, if it's just a port where they're just bringing games over and not doing HD ports like Saga Frontier, so if it's just regular ports. Just do them all, all the good ones at the very least. Like, there's what's the what's the harm in that? Yeah, any uh, SNES that takes no effort whatsoever because we already got the emulation running. Right. So just bring it. Yeah. Now yeah. If it is HD ports. 
like Saga Front, like like what they're doing Saga Frontier, which does require additional effort because that is the original artwork was not rendered at those higher HD resolutions. Mm-hmm. So they gotta at the very least re-render the artwork at those higher levels or have to recreate the art at higher resolutions. If it's sprite work, sprite art, that's harder to do because you have to redraw it. If it's pre-rendered art, if you still have those pre-rendered 3D model assets, you can just re-render those same assets at the higher resolution to get the benefit, which is what it looks like they did with Saga Frontier. Right. And there are some SNES games that that uh, that can get the benefit of that. For example, Super Mario RPG, those characters and world was rendered, was modeled in 3D and then rendered, uh, pre-rendered as sprites into the Super Nintendo. Gotcha, yeah. Uh, Donkey Kong Country, mm-hmm. uh, all of them, all three of them, same thing. Um there's there's a bunch of others that that kind of had that modeled in 3D stuff. So, yeah, there's definitely quite a few others. I can think of a yeah. fighting game that I used to love and play called Clay Fighter. That, Clay Fighter, yeah. <laughs> that did it, yeah. Yeah, so for those types of games, it depends on if they still have access to those uh, sort of 3D models uh, are made available to them so that they can re-render things at higher resolutions. Uh, or, or if they have... Um, if the original means by which they produced the artwork was at a higher resolution and then they downgrade the resolution in order to work with uh, the capabilities of the Super Nintendo. So it depends on on that. Mm-hmm. And I would say what they would need to do is just get good games, figure out the good games first, the best of the best, and then figure out whether it's worth the effort uh, needed in order to do an HD port. Right. Just finding those games always just seems like a problem. Uh, so let's address those games that we want. Elias Lutz uh, says, um, what other franchises do you think would benefit from this, this port treatment? Obviously, Mario RPG, Super Mario RPG, yeah. would be would be our first on our list. But I'm trying to think of some other, other ones that are in the same vein, that maybe possibly use those uh, 3D textures. Yep. That, that's that's the one that comes to mind, but I can't think of any other RPGs in that era that did that. I'm sure there are. Yeah. Uh, so it's not NES or Super Nintendo, but you know, the game I'm playing right now, Ogre Battle 64, is one of those games that did that same type of graphical assets. It's it's modeled in 3D mm-hmm. and then uh, pre-rendered snapshots, uh, sprites, are created based on those 3D models. And, you know... If they still have all of those 3D models and all that, oh man, that game would look incredible with HD as an HD rema- uh, remaster. Right. It would look absolutely incredible because the models are like it, it just has an art style that looks real good, and the world and the world and how it was made actually looks pretty good. The right. resolution's low, but the, everything that's there would work if rendered at a higher level. So that would definitely. Uh, hold up i think there's a lot of um playstation games that could definitely benefit because that was also a technique that was done a lot in in, the in PlayStation. PlayStation games yeah as well definitely was uh i mean there, there's been 
for example, Resident Evil games. So the Resident Evil games hit the N64 as well, mm-hmm. um, and on PlayStation, uh, those games did the pre-rendered uh, 3D environment type stuff and 3D models. And then they did a, a mixture, right? Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy, actually, all the Final Fantasies did the same thing, where they modeled everything, pre-rendered, modeled uh, in 3D, and then they had the characters as actual uh, in-game renderings, uh, 3D. 3D modeled renderings. Uh, so it was like a combination of the two. So they did that for that. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of games that would work, but we'd have to dabble into like the Sony side of things or even the um, the Sega Saturn side of things. Yeah, I feel like that 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 generation, because even like the N64 generation was a little bit later than the PS1. But there might be some, but there are very few N64 RPGs anyway. Yes. So, yeah, it would would mostly be, like you had mentioned, now, did Rare have anything to do with, they, yeah, Rare had a lot to do with that chip, didn't they? And the Uh, Super Nintendo? uh, They utilized it, but it's the, the FX chip you're talking about, right? Yeah, 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 yep. Uh, they utilized it, but it wasn't because of them, because Nintendo, I mean, Nintendo, I think they were the first ones to really utilize it with Star Fox. Right. I think Star Fox was, was the the driver uh, for, for using that type of enhancement tech uh, embedded into the cartridge. Mm-hmm. They also had like, stunt race effects, uh, they had, uh, a couple of rare games, a couple of other uh, offshoot games that used the uh, Super FX chip. Yeah, it looks like Mario World 2 utilized it. Um, really, not a good... Oh, yeah, Yoshi's Island, yeah. That came, that came after Star Fox. Yeah, it did. Yeah, Star Fox, I think, was one of the initial ones, but this uh, is really isn't... Star Fox is 93, I think. Maybe 94, but I think 93 came out. Oh, here we go. I was like, I'm like, where is the list of games? Uh, Dirt Racer, Dirt Track, Star Fox, Stunt Race, Vortex, uh, Doom, Mario World 2... Yeah, I'm not seeing Mario RPG on here. Interesting. Okay. Well, Mario RPG didn't have to use it. So, uh, part of that using that chip is it did uh, sprite scaling and rotation. It better. It did it did it more in a more performant because it was it was it offloaded that type of processing from the console itself because it did it in the chip. On the chip, yeah. So, uh, and. So not only did it allow for sort of 3D modeling, because when, when you're doing 3D modeling and, and you're rendering uh, textures on polygons and stuff like that, you're, you're doing a lot of stretching, skewing, scaling, and rotation of the texture itself. So it's, it's all about calculating the perspective. Yep, yep, I was just going to say that. And then, and then uh, blitting uh, that texture onto uh, the triangle rectangle whatever that mm-hmm. that you want to shape it onto uh so yeah so that's i would say actually you know star fox right that could get an hd port right because it's that game is pretty much all in 3d right and yeah. if they were to hd port it it wouldn't have the 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 crazy aliasing issues that it has and hopefully the big thing that they need to do is up the frame rate 
make it a 60 frame per second smooth as as silk running butters uh, butter. that in Star Fox 2 Star Fox 2 has like big issues with uh with its uh frame rate type stuff so in those two games I'd rather just have a recreation of Star Fox rather than porting over of that Star Fox 1 and 2 well they kind of Pretty much every Star Fox game is a recreation of Star Fox. I mean, right. Star Fox 64 is pretty much the same story as Star Fox. Yeah, I just don't, I just don't think Star Fox look, looks good. I don't think it ever looked good. No, no. Star Fox 64 looked awesome. That was one of the best-looking games when it came out. Yeah, no, Star Fox 64 looked good. I'm talking the, the OG Star Fox. The OG was incredible-looking because... There was no other game that looked like that. Bah. That was that was like that that was mind blowing graphics at that time. Oh, I understand that. It's just it's just not not for me, <laughs> not for me at all. Uh, so if I had to pick a game, so if, if we're in, so what was the game you picked? Um, I didn't. I Did didn't. HD four treatment. I didn't. Well, I said Mario RPG, but I mean that's just. I think that should be on everyone's list. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're both we're both on board with that. If I had to pick a game, I would say Tales of Fantasia. Yeah, just give that an HD port. I'm gonna have to agree because I'm on that bandwagon. Ever since you mentioned it and and forced me to watch it, um, you 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 like what you saw. You forced me to watch it, <laughs> I, but I, I think that's like a perfect that's a perfect pick. I'm gonna have to agree with that one as well. Can't believe you forced me. That was a weird time in our lives. Um. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to the last question here. Uh, what is the most underrated RPG on the Switch right now, and why is it Dragon's Dogma? That's a quote. That's from him. Um, I'm going to agree. I'm going to agree with that assessment, right? I think Dragon's Dogma is an underrated RPG. When I see a lot of lists of people, oh, what? because I, I peruse this list uh, or this uh, Facebook group a lot, and there are a lot. A lot of the same questions. All right, all right. What do I play? I'm looking for an RPG. Dragon's Dogma is very rarely mentioned, and it is a really good game. I love the combat in it. I like the the um, the the art style. Is it's all right. It's a lot of uh, green and brown, almost your Skyrim effect or or Fallout Three effect, where everything yep. kind of just looks a little muddy. But I think overall, it's it's a decent, it's a really decent game. So I do agree with his assessment there, but we put together a very, very, very short list of three games each that we would uh, recommend that are possibly under underrated. I'm just going to go over my my three, and then and then Johnny, you can go over yours. Uh, number one being Battle Chasers Night War. This came out very early on the on the Switch. Uh, there is a little bit of a uh, difficulty spike where it forces you to kind of grind the level up a little bit. Uh, but I love the animation. I love the music in this. I like the characters in it. Uh, so Battle Chases Night War. Steam World Quest, Hand of Gilgamesh. This is Image Informs. I think this is their better RPG. It's kind of like your... It's not really deck building, but it's your card-based RPG. Uh, take a look at that if you're into the Steam World uh, universe. Uh, and then Fail Seal, Arbiter's Mark. You want to talk about Final Fantasy Tech. This, this is probably the closest uh, thing you're going to get to that on the switch and again one of those very rarely mentioned uh games i think i've kind of um run the gamut of uh well i didn't hit action rpg maybe you'll hit an action rpg but anyway fell seal is a strategy rpg tactical rpg really really done well a uh, good story i think there's dlc out for it as well 
so yeah, Fell Seal Arbiter's Mark is my last yeah, recommendation. I, I played that as well. Uh, that's I second <clears throat> that recommendation. That is definitely a a gem. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some there's some kind of lowish budget things with the artwork uh, that's in there. It's it's not bad art. It's just it's not the best, most appealing uh, of art or animations that the characters have. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the only thing that's kind of holding it back. Everything else is like pretty solid. So just want to second that recommendation. Th- thanks for seconding that. Yeah. Uh, so my three, I'm just going to very quickly mention Astral Chain. I know it's a big game and people are aware of it. I just wanted to re-mention that because, man, that game is absolutely fantastic. All right. My actual three is uh, Children of Morta, and we we both agree, like, this game is really, really good, and people have continued to kind of, it seems like people have overlooked it, and they really shouldn't, and it also has co-op. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's got pretty much everything you want, beautiful sprite work in there, uh, really awesome way to tell the story, just really good, solid stuff. Definitely check it out, and it's it's a indie game, so it's got that indie game budget going on, and it's usually on sale at some place somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can even get a physical, so uh, that's a nice little perk. Uh, so here's another game. It's so it's Xenoblade Chronicles Two, which I think we both agree is uh, kind of overlooked. Yes, it's a big game, but it's kind of kind of overlooked. But I'm not recommending that one. Even though I am recommending them, what I'm actually <laughs> recommending is the uh, the spinoff DLC, standalone DLC, mm-hmm. Torna, the Golden Country, and this definitely got overlooked because it kind of released uh, uh, out of nowhere ish, uh, and it was kind of an offshoot thing, and people kind of missed out on it. Don't miss on it if you enjoyed any bit of Xenoblade 2, you're definitely going to enjoy Torn of the Golden Country. The story isn't as good, and that's the only thing that's holding it back, is that the story is not as well to- told. There is a story there. It is a standalone story, too, so you don't even need to play Xenoblade 2 in order to play Torn of the Golden Country. Uh, but the combat's better. Visually, the game looks and runs better uh, than the original. Uh, mm-hmm. It's more performant. There's less blurriness in there. Just they they tweaked everything. They like enhanced that engine, made everything better looking. Uh, the soundtrack's a little different. Uh, I'm not too big of a fan of uh, the soundtrack in the second one because it's jazz, more jazz uh, type of stuff, and I really don't like jazz. Uh, but it is good quality stuff. So uh, I I definitely recommend uh, that. I think that's a hidden gem that people skipped out on because they thought, oh, it's just Xenoblade 2 again. It's not Xenoblade 2 again. Completely different characters, uh, almost completely different storyline. Right. Takes place 500 years before Xenoblade 2. Now I'm no math a matician, but that yep. seems like a long time. That is a long time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and the last game that I think is definitely a hidden gem uh, is Salt and Sanctuary. Oh. I really, really dig this game. It's really good. It's a Castlevania meets Dark Souls uh, side-scroll action RPG. It's uh, The combat is much more heavier and nuanced and weighty, like you would get in Dark Souls. So uh, it's, it, you, 
it's very you have to be very precise and very tight with your input and you have to pay attention to the tells of the enemies just the typical stuff that you get uh in dark souls combat style game souls likes and it also has this big uh 2d side scroll platforming world to explore like you would get in a metroidvania style game so it's like this nice uh union of the two things it's very difficult uh it's just a great game fun boss fights every everything about it just really good stuff and if you can beat it you'll definitely you know cheer and and scream at the top of your lungs like <laughs> i did because that last boss fight is really hard um the first boss fight is really hard <laughs> i will tell you this is the the one of the last games that made me I, like i I don't rage quit often yep. this is the last one that made it that did it for me um it is it is challenging i i think it's just the get good thing i just needed to get better at the game I didn't have the patience for it. The game just just bothered me so much, so I just I just couldn't do it. There was a there was a platforming section where there were just birds or bats or something dive bombing you. Done. I quit. <laughs> Absolutely, just just quit. Couldn't do it. <laughs> um, but if you're at all into the and there are some Metroidvania aspects to it as well as Souls like aspects to it. It's definitely. Uh, definitely a tough one. All right, cool. Hopefully we'd answer all your questions here. If you do have any other other questions, you can email us at podcast at switchrpg.com. I'll have to check with Ben to make sure that that, that email address still exists. Um, because I'm going to be honest, I don't get many email requests. Although I did actually get one recently. Um... You and I, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Okay, it's a possible uh, interview uh, request. I think we, I think you're on board with what I'm uh, thinking. Yep. Anyway, um, main topic: Switch RPG uh, 2020 award nominees. Now we're just going to go over all these. Um, we changed the categories a little bit. We're not doing the uh, tried and true, typical stuff. So we we did a little bit of different stuff. Um, but let's go over best story first. Nominees are Hades, Bug Fables, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, and Winamore Tactics Club, with an honorable mention of Operentia the Stolen Sun. Ah, yeah. Uh, I think all relatively solid picks. I haven't played Bug Fables or Wintermore, so I can't really attest to either of those, although I don't see either of them having the more interesting story or even coming close to the story that's being told in both Hades and Xenoblade. Like those stories are incredible. Yeah. Both of them. So uh it's I, gonna be one of one of either Hades or Xenoblade is definitely gonna win it. My prediction. Yeah, I'd have to pull up our Twitter account because we're also running a Twitter poll which may be done by the time people get to listen to this. Yep. Um let me see if I yeah, can pull. And, pull and a nice quick. thing about the story of Hades versus the story of Xenoblade is that they are two very different sort of uh, takes on storytelling. One's very personal, uh, which is Hades, and one is uh, gets very meta uh, and very uh, and gets very grand in scope, which is Xenoblade. So yeah, 
yeah, that one, that one, I still need to get back into. Um, I just couldn't get into the combat, but that's not what we're dealing with. We're dealing with best story. And on our Twitter, we have Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition at forty percent. In second place, we have Whittemore Tactics Club. Um, Interesting. Yeah, Whittemore Tactics Club. It, it is. I didn't I haven't finished it, but it basically it's a uh, your tactics like your Final Fantasy tactics like, um, but on a simpler terms. That's the way the gameplay much, is. Much simpler, yeah. Yeah, much simpler. Um, but the story is basically you're a uh, a young young kid uh, who's basically been picked on. Um, so it kind of just and 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 she creates all this stuff around her um, in this fantasy like setting. And and this is that's the story that's being told. Yeah. Escapism. So, yeah, essentially. So there is a really good story story there. But yeah, I'd I'd agree with uh, with you in in Xenoblade Chronicles where the story is much more grand and Hades. There is another more personal uh, there, uh, you know, story there. But they're all pretty good. And and both so Xenoblade, it's emotional right at the start, and Hades, it's also very emotional. I mean, the game is pretty much pure emotion. Yeah. On on its storytelling, so. Yeah, yep. those are those are two juggernauts. Looks like the voting is leaning to uh, Xenoblade, at least for the uh, fans. Yeah, I, there's only uh, maybe about 10, 12 hours left. So, yeah, it's probably going to be Xenoblade. All right, next we have best combat, uh, whether it be turn-based action or something in between, whose combat system is best designed. Nominees are Hades, Bug Fables, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, and Saga Scarlet Grace Ambitions. Uh, with an honorable mention to Tokyo Mirage Sessions FE Hardcore. Encore. Uh, yeah, that's what I said, isn't it? You said hardcore. No, what? whatever. It's an honorable it's like mention. I, I, I thought I said encore, but maybe it's just it's my not- accent. Anyway, um, this one on Twitter, what is heavily leaning towards Hades? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Hades is... That's like the big thing that you're doing like 90% of the time on Hades is is combat. combat. Yeah. <laughs> and the combat is oh so good. Yeah, I don't know if the combat is does anything exceptional in Bug Fables. I ha- honestly I haven't played it. Uh Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition is definitely doing something different there. Uh I had a difficult time with the the combat doesn't mean everybody else did. So I that wouldn't have been my choice. Uh, but Scarlet Grace Ambitions, I'm not very familiar with. I know Ben um, at the site really loves this combat or thinks it's very distinctive. Uh, so I, I know that's where his vote was. But yeah, what what are your thoughts? Yeah, you you would say Hades, right? Uh, yeah, I would say Hades, and I I really enjoy the combat of Xenoblade. So I would give the second uh, to Xenoblade. And if Bug Fables is anything like uh, Mario Thousand Year Door, like that would be a really good combat system. Now I don't see Scarlet Grace having it. It I can certainly see it being an interesting combat system, but I don't see it coming even close to what Xenoblade or uh, Hades has to offer. I yeah. Mean, if if it has something that's it's similar to, it'd be more so Xenoblade, uh, and even then, it it's still very different. But like, yeah, you know, Xenoblade is way more nuanced in in the ask of what you're doing, whereas in Scarlet Grace, it's doing a unique take 
on a turn-based combat system. On the menu, like the menu-driven, right? Yeah, the traditional menu-driven turn-based combat. Yeah. yeah. And and Buck Fables is definitely playing on the on the thousand year door aspect of things where there's some some like quick time events in some of the combat thing things of that nature. But it's it's definitely more, you know, your your tra- more traditional co- when compared to some of the other stuff we have going on here. Yeah. All right. Next, we have best progression system, job systems, town building, and character advancement. Which pro- which progression system feels the most satisfying and unique? Nominees are Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, Hades, Bug Fables. Have you noticed a trend yet? <laughs> uh, Rune Factory 4 Special. Um, and we do have an honorable mention here. Um, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't think it should be here because this, this should be for next year. Uh, is Sakuna of Rice and Ruin. Yeah, not enough time to assess. That yeah, one. yeah, not many people were, especially on our site, weren't able to to play this. So I, I think I think this should be for next year. But either way, uh, we have progression system on Twitter. It's um, it's mostly going for Hades at forty four percent. Yeah, I mean Hades is it's a roguelike, so it's it, it best be about the progression system. Yeah, it yeah. relies on it, right? Yeah, it has an incredible... I mean, remember when we had that chat where I told you that there's a, a second ability in the mirror? It blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, it took a while for me to realize that, and I have to tell you, and you didn't even realize it. It's, it's just even more options. I think the big thing with Hades, uh, with its progression system, is um, the, I guess, the achievements. What, what, the, the, what was it? The, the fates that you complete? I, I know what you're talking about. I don't remember exactly what they called though. And it, so it gives you reasons, long term sort of making progress, not only in the story, but also with your character, getting more things that allow you to unlock more stuff, to mm-hmm. do more stuff, to enhance your character, etc. So it, it's just a really tight feedback loop. Now I would say Xenoblade is probably. Uh, probably the most nuanced on the progression systems because you're you're you got gear you got gems you got uh you're leveling up you're uh you're uh specking your abilities for multiple characters you're leveling up those abilities for multiple characters you got the skill trees you can also do the affinity chart uh stuff so there's like so many different ways so it's it's got the complexity and the and the uh, breadth of um, of progression systems. So uh, I can definitely see it going either way for Xenoblade or for Hades. Yeah, it's right now it's leaning forty four percent to thirty one uh, going for Hades. So yeah, it's leaning that way. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset either way. All right, cool. Best. Side quests is the next category. Travel off the beaten path, talk to the locals, and decide which side quests are the most compelling and rewarding. Bug Fables, Cross Code, The Outer Worlds, and Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. With an honorable mention to The Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel 3, which unfortunately I didn't get to play because I feel like you need to play the first two and I, that's a big ask for me. Yep. Um, but Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition for side quests, 
Really? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see that. Happen. I mean, the side quests are, some of them can be okay, but yeah, no, that's, that's definitely, I hope it doesn't win it because that's not the Xenoblade. That's not the, the big thing with Xenoblade. Absolutely Actually, not, right? The game that should win it is either going to be Bug Fables or more likely The Outer Worlds because that's exactly what The Outer Worlds is about is doing those side quests. Right. And those side quests are actually really good. Yeah. And and I've been really told that CrossCode has a really decent amount of side quests or decent side quests as well. Um, Haven't been able to get it. I'm still waiting for my collector's edition. I feel like it's been an eternity since that's been a thing. Still waiting for it. But Twitter has it. Uh, Twitter has Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition winning at forty or yeah, forty four, almost forty five percent. I feel oh, like geez. that. I feel like that's just name recognition. There. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, that, because that's it, wrong. It definitely should not be winning. Uh, second being Cross Code at twenty four percent, then the Outer Worlds at twenty. But yeah, yeah. I, I think just the fact that Xenoblade is even in this category is is wrong. It's winning the popularity contest. It definitely in in this aspect. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm a I'm I'm the biggest one of the biggest fans of Xenoblade, and uh, I don't definitely don't see a reason why it's in that category. Well, they're the worst kind of. I mean, they're the worst kind of 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 quests, right? They're all fetch quests. They're not all of them, but I mean, they're they're some of them can be more multi-step and nuance, but like they're they're just whatever they're whatever. Just grab them. They're all they're there for is do the thing to get the reward. That's it. Yeah, like that's what they're really there for. It's not it's not really developing any story at all. It's developing nothing. Well, some of them can do a little bit of story stuff, but none of it is major or impactful to the major story of the game, the overall yeah. narrative. Yeah, I think this is one that the Twitter people got wrong. Hopefully, when we discuss the winners, that this I, I don't think we, as RPG aficionados, would. I mean, we put it as a nominee, so hopefully we don't we don't vote this to win because I don't I don't even think it belongs there. All right, next we have. Let me scroll down here. Best dungeons. Which dungeons? feature the best puzzles, most fearsome foes, and the greatest and most engaging challenges. We have Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, we have CrossCode, Tokyo Mirage Sessions FE Encore, uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered Edition, Honorable Mention, Paper Mario the Origami King. I don't I don't know who would have uh, voted that in. Uh, I So that should have been in, in Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. I'm sorry. That game is trash. Trash. I I don't find it very appealing either. It's trash. There, there's nothing interesting about the anything in that game, especially the dungeons, which <laughs> is pretty much everything you're doing. I guess is a dungeon in Final Fantasy First Chronicles, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, no. Nah, all right. So that game shouldn't even be on the list. Paper Mario should be on the list, and that shouldn't even win it. It should be between. Fire, uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions and CrossCode. Because yeah. Xenoblade, uh, it's, I mean, it's kind of like run-of-the-mill. You're exploring. There isn't really much in a way of um, of puzzles, so it's there's some mini little basic flip 
switch flipping type yeah, stuff. Nothing crazy. It's mostly about exploration, reaching the next area, and then navigating around potentially uh, higher level, too high of level enemies. You're right. Uh, and do an exploration to get uh, treasure. So that, that's kind of it. It's, it's pretty straightforward stuff. So it's not doing anything interesting. Whereas Tokyo Mirage Sessions and I'm assuming Crosscode are doing something more interesting. So I think it should go to them. But honestly, I think Paper Mario should get it because I think that one I know is doing interesting stuff with its dungeons. <laughs> um, so which one did you nominate? <laughs> I nominate Paper Mario. That would be my one pick. All right. All right. I I. I... I don't know if I'm gonna agree with you. I think Crossroads definitely deserve it. I feel like the the entire game is like, ha, is a dungeon, right? I mean, from what I've read and seen, I I still haven't played it, but I don't know. I feel like Crosscode should be there. Um, but let's see what the peoples think. But this is really the closest race here. Tokyo yeah. Mirage Sessions is winning at thirty four percent. At thirty two percent is Xenoblade Chronicles. At twenty eight percent. It's cross code, and then Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles is at four percent. Yeah, see, all right, they got it right, right? They recognize how much trash Final <laughs> Fantasy Crystal Chronicles is. And you know what would have happened is if Paper Mario was actually on that list, which it should have been, that would have been the number one because everyone would have recognized that Paper Mario, even though right name recognition probably would have gone to Xenoblade. Like, yeah, people would have realized, like, yeah, Paper Mario that should be on this list. Sure. Oh man, that is that is that's funny. Um all right, best world design. We have uh towns and towns, villages, wildlife, history, lore, and mysteries to the found. To be found. I'm thinking there's a typo there. Uh which world is the best to explore? Our nominees, Trials of Mana, Hades, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. Bug Fables with an honorable mention of Arafel Enhanced Editions. Um, I mean, just like you had said, Xeno the whole point of Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition is to explore the world, talk to the people, uh, see the wildlife, the the vast amounts of wildlife there. I mean, that's the whole. It's an it's an open world game, so this is so of all the. What's that? So so many different biomes that exist in there. And it's not only an open world game, it's an open world game that takes place on a big on a pair of big giant titans. Yeah. The world is the titans themselves. They are the world. You're walking on their legs and on their waist and on their back and on their shoulders and on their arms. You're you're they they are the world. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a really cool, uh really cool thing now. Uh, I mean, this is the this is the category that Xenoblade Chronicles <laughs> Definitive Edition should win hands hands down. Uh, tri Trials of Mana. I haven't looked at the Twitter poll yet, but Trials of Mana is is very there's really not much exploring there. There's a lot, you know, you're just basically on on a path there. Uh, Hades, you know, it's it's a randomized uh, world every single time, so it's hard to really really shoehorn that one in there. Bug Fables. I wish I had more experience with. Uh, maybe I would appreciate that in this category. I'm so I'm not entirely sure uh, what to think of that. Um, but if we look at our Twitter poll, best world design, it's Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition at 45. Next closest is Hades and Trials of Mana. 
Um, and Hades is at 24%. Yeah, and, and Hades is pretty good for the world building. It's just, you know, Xenoblade is, like, definitively the best of the worlds because it's just so ambitious and right. epic. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's the that's the award that Xenoblade was meant to win. It's just it's just made for it. All right, cool. Best visuals, graphic fidelity, and art direction. What package comes together to create a visual experience unlike any other? We have Hades, Xenoblade Chronicles of Innovate Edition, Bug Fables, and Ori and the Will of the Wisps. With an honorable mention going to Star Ocean First Departure R. I, I really don't understand why Star Ocean is there. <laughs> that is not a visually appealing game. No, not at all. And if, Bug Fables is yet another non-visually appealing game. So why is that on, on this list? And why isn't Paper Mario on this list? And why is Ori beautiful looking game, by the way? Ori is in the, in the Will of the Wisps. Incredible looking. But why is Ori on this list and not Paper Mario? That, like, blows my mind now. Because Ori is on this list, Ori should win it. Ori is, hands down, the best looking of, of this package. And then it's a toss-up between Hades and Xenoblade. They're just two different art styles. They both look good uh, on their own, uh, judged on their, in their own ways. Mm-hmm. But Ori is just distinctly vastly superior to to just both of them because it's just so well executed cohesive hades does get a little uh down resolution um on the it gets a little blurry not necessarily blurry but the resolution does uh dive a little bit uh sometimes Mm -hmm. but ori is does it less if it does it at all runs Super silky smooth on the frame rate, and is it's just a visual feast for the eyes. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to agree with you on Bug Fables. I think, um, in terms of what they're trying to do, Paper Mario might be might do it better, way better. Um, Paper Mario Origami King. Actually, if or uh, Paper Mario Origami King was on this set of four, I would. Then I would be uh, hard pressed to recommend uh, Ori over Paper Mario because I think Paper Mario was probably the best looking game out of all four of them. Yeah, I, well, I'm I'm not sure about that. I still would would think I still think Ori would yeah. w- would be better than what Paper Mario did. Um, yep. Hades and Xenoblade, I think you're you're right. They're kind of on par with with each other. They're just doing something a little bit different. Um, I would give maybe Hades the slight advantage only because I prefer that kind of art style that they kind of went for. Um, Star Ocean, I, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know. I, I have no, no answer for that. To be honest, I, I just don't. Get... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, it's a really kind of a straightforward port of an old game. So I, I don't know. Um, yeah. But Ori and the Will of the Wisp, I think what the thought was that it's a Metroidvania uh, doing RPG elements similar to what um, maybe, uh, what's the game that we nominated before? I don't know. It's, I I, I think that was, 
I'm yeah, sorry. it's it's closer to Metroid the way Ori plays. It's closer to Metroid, but even still, like, why if Ori can make this list, why isn't Paper Mario on this list? Right. That's that's what I'm getting. I like it. It's like it's pretty clear. Like, Bug Fables is literally on every single nomination. Oh, sorry, almost. Every I will I will single. say though that Bug Fables is more of a straightforward RPG is than Paper Mario is. Sure, sure, but but Paper Bug Fables is riffing on Paper Mario. <laughs> right, it's but it's riffing it's riffing on the Thousand Year Door yeah. version of Paper Mario, and, not the Origami King version. But that part doesn't matter. The part that matters is that Ori is allowed to show up on this list. Star Ocean, which is not a visually appearing uh, appealing game, and Bug Fables also not all that visually appealing. Like, those games are allowed to be on this list, and Paper Mario isn't? That doesn't make any sense. We need to write a letter. Yeah. To the people at SwitchRPG.com. Yeah. <laughs> All right. They dropped the ball. They, they, oh, sorry. Who is, who is winning that one? So, Best Visuals is, is going to Ori at 43%. Uh, next, yeah. going to Xenoblade Chronicles at 26 How far away was Hades? Uh, 19 Nah. Like I said, I, I would... Personal preference, I would give it over to Hades, but that's just me. Yeah. yeah. All right. Best music. What tunes best set the mood? Somber, uplifting, action-packed, or otherwise, and immerse the player in the game world. Uh, nominees. Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, Hades, Trials of Mana, Bug Fables, and honorable mention to Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered Edition. I will say that the that might be the only redeeming quality for Crystal Chronicles is is yeah. the, is the soundtrack. I'm with you there. Yeah, that's just that's just the me thing. Um, so yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles. I mean, I think for the most part is probably a runaway favorite for this. Absolutely, uh, it's got very memorable tracks. Yeah, yeah. Th- this is this is the other category that Xenoblade Definitive Edition was made for is the soundtrack. So yeah, I, I don't see anything coming close to it. Yeah, I, I'm not familiar with Bug Fables. I, I again, I'd love to be. Uh, I love, I like, I like the music in in Hades. I really, really like it. But it's really, yeah. in terms of what it's up against, I mean, there's no competition here, really. Um, and Trials of Mana, while it, it's, it's just, I just didn't like. They remade the remade, the, uh, the the music to the game. I don't know. I think they made it worse. To be honest with you, um, they're all MIDI. There's no, there's no live orchestral stuff. I think that would have made a world of difference with Trials of Mana. If Trials, Trials of Mana stood away from the, I don't know if it, I don't even know if it's, it's probably cheaper, maybe less expensive to, to do it all, all um, MIDI tracks and and whatnot. It's it's not chip tunes. It's cheap tunes. Yeah, it's, it's not good. I mean, I would prefer the chip tunes over, over what they did. Really. Yeah, over what they did, you should hear it. I I feel like it's they made it worse. They made it real worse. Uh, but yeah, the, I, I'm I would have to guess that Xenoblade would be the runaway favorite for this. So yeah, they're at fifty percent of the voting. Uh, next closest is uh, Hades, then Trials of Mana. Hades is at twenty five percent. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. Yeah, makes sense to me as well. All right, next second to last category, we have best characters. Heroes, villains, and the supporting cast from both. Which game has the best ensemble of interesting characters? 
We have Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, Bug Fables, Trials of Mana, Hades, <laughs> Honorable Mention, Later Daters. Which is, um, it's an RPG sim of dating in your later years. Okay, we did review it. If you want to see the review for that, head over to switchrpg.com. Um, I'm guessing it has memorable memorable characters. I have I have no idea. I'm gonna have I'm I have to look into that one. But uh, bug fables, um, may, maybe. I I think that what this will come what this this bug fables comes down to is I don't know that many people played it. Everyone's seen it, talked about it. Oh yeah, it's Thousand Year Door, but I don't know that many people have played it. So then I we have. I'm sorry. Well, I, I can't see the story or the characters being any more interesting than characters of Hades or Xenoblade. Like, Xenoblade has some really good characters, well thought out, multidimensional, lots of nuance to them. But Hades also has that. It just has it. The presentation is just vastly different between Xenoblade and Hades, yeah. character-wise. Trials, uh, I'll, I'll leave that more to you to comment on. Yeah, I think the characters in in Trials are, if you played it, they're really kind of kind of memorable. Some of them have really sad stories. So, uh, some of them have really kind of traditional stories, I guess, in a sense. Uh, but they're all really, really kind of cool, cool characters. And even the enemies you face, um, in terms of uh, antagonists, are are different and interesting. So Trials of Mana is definitely worthy of being on this list, without a doubt. But I, I think I may have to give a nod to uh, Hades, with Trials of Mana being second for me. Yep. Now, I, I understand that Xenoblade Chronicles has very memorable characters as well, but I don't know. Yeah, I think I would have to give it to Hades as well. Uh, it's just there's there's something special with with the characters in Hades in that the stuff that they say, the ongoing dialogue that happens as you continue to play the game for hours and hours and hours, and how things never get repeated. They're yeah. always saying something new and there's something more that they're adding to the circumstances, whatever they may be, that you're currently going through. And they always have something to comment on that. It is insane how many lines of dialogue they record yeah. for Hades. Absolutely insane. I think a funny, it was just a stupid funny thing. I think the second time I faced the first boss and she was just like, oh, it's you again. And then you know, just, let's just Let's do this. Let's let's get this over with. Um, but yeah, I I may have to say Hades, but although Trials of Mana has some really cool characters, let's see what Twitter says because they are. Uh... I can definitely see Xenoblade. People voting for Xenoblade. Oh yeah, um, and, and Xenoblade has some incredible characters and a and a big diverse uh, set of characters. Yeah, too. don't get me wrong. Xenoblade definitely does does have it. This is just this is just that was just personal preference. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Xenoblade is in the is winning actually at thirty eight point five, um, and then Hades at thirty seven point four. So there's one wow, percentage point between close. both of them, and then Trials of Mana at thirteen, Bug Fables at eleven. 
Uh, it's like one or two votes. Did you vote, Johnny? Uh, I voted, yeah. Okay, all right. I forgot what I voted for, but I voted. Okay, all right. Well, I mean, that's that's really, really close. So that, that may change. We'll see. And then, the last but not least, RPG of the Year. The one to rule them all. If you've been following along at all, you'll know at least three of these, right? <laughs> Xenoblade Chronicles, Definitive Edition, Bug Fables, Hades, and then the... I'm going to call this an outlier here. Uh, Crosscode. I think it's it. Well... If if you go along the readings of reviews, it had it had initially it had a rough launch. Uh, I think it's rectified those, but if it has rectified those issues, then yes, it belongs in this list. If it hasn't rectified those issues, then I I can't can't have it on here. It's just not allowed. Yeah, but it's it's against giants, literal giants. Right. So I don't, even bug fables like both cross code and bug fables. They got two giant, two big giant gorillas in the same room. Like, yeah. I feel bad for them because they're they're definitely great games, and I'm actually probably gonna eventually pick up Bug Fables. I should probably wishlist that and wait for it to hit a sale. Okay. And grab it. Yeah. Honorable mention to Tokyo Mirage Sessions FE Encore. Yep. Now, you're right. I think Crosscode and Bug Fables are staring up at mountains here. Yeah, I think um, I think Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition has one thing going against it. It's that whole remake port, kind of remaster that oh, whole yeah. thing. It's a ten-year-old game, right? So it's still the same. It's still the same game it was ten years ago, in my opinion. It's just they've they yeah. tweaked it in such a way to bring it to a, a new audience. And they did tweak it in a in a fairly. They definitely went through a good effort, uh, a very good effort in mm-hmm. tweaking things and enhancing things, updating a whole lot of textures, changing the models, right for for characters, sure, um, and stuff like that. But I'm with you, like. But there's it, the, there's no there's no real spirit behind creating a, something new. Do you know what I mean? I mean, th- I think that whole. That whole aspect it does of have some new stuff, right? It does have that new uh, prologue, epilogue, yeah, postlog, whatever it's called. Yeah, just not enough. Enough. No, I'm, for with me. You. I'm with you. I mean, my pick, as much as I hate to do it, goes to Hades. Yeah. I mean, it's Hades is just that good. Right. It's just I, that good. I agree. I think it's a really good complete package. Um. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I understand what Xenoblade Chronicles is and does and has done for the the genre. It's just that I think I think it's not doing anything that it really hasn't done ten years ago. And it's just put on, you know, a new front. That's just yeah, that's just a me thing. It's an it's it's a game of the year from ten years ago yep. versus a game of the year this year. Yeah. Right? That, that's and a great way it, to put it. Yeah, I mean it. It's gonna be Hades, like, like it's it's fresh, it's new, and it does some some things very differently that nothing else has uh, sort of riffed on. And it's also you know the the start of potentially something, right? There could be I can easily see them doing like a Hades two, a Hades three, whatever. Yeah, right? they could they could easily turn this into a money making franchise. Yeah. 
which they haven't done with any of their other games, but, you know, money talks, kudos. right? Yeah, kudos to them. All right, so Twitter says um, it's Xenoblade. It's Xenoblade at 43% and Hades, wow. at, and Hades at 36%. Okay, well, I, I, I mean, it, th- those numbers, if you combine them, that definitely uh, puts them both in Mountain Juggernaut yeah. territory. Yeah, so CrossCode was at 11 and Bug Fables at 9. Yeah, and hopefully the, the popular vote doesn't win. I mean, I'm kind of happy with either of them, but like to me, Hades deserves deserves the victory here because yeah. I think it's actually going to win just game game of the year across everything, across all the platforms. Yeah, for for the um for the game awards, it's 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 I think it's nominated for game of the year, is that right? I have to look. Be. Yeah, I think it, it is. is. It'll be quite upsetting. Yeah, that is our list of uh, nominees. Uh, by the next time you hear this, we'll briefly go over the the winners. Some you may um, now. When I say winners, I'm not talking just Twitter. I'm talking about what the staff um, has has decided. Um, some of them may be in line with what Twitter says. Some of them may not be. We'll we'll decide that. And then also next next episode we're going to be looking into the future. We're going to see what, you know, what what are we looking forward to in 2021? We'll kind of put together a short short kind of list of of games or, or RPGs that are coming to the Switch or or not to the Switch. I don't know. Who knows. But that's going to wrap up today's episode of the Switch RPG podcast. Thank you so much for listening and remember to send in your questions and comments. You can listen to the show each and every week at switchrpg.com or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If you listen on an app, please give us a rating and review. We want to climb up those charts on the platforms. So your support there would be amazing. And finally, remember, you can head over to switchrpg.com for all your RPG needs on the Nintendo Switch. Until next time, see you later.